69ing is fun. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Is my eyes deceiving me? Lorian and Spencer. Do you all see that? Lorian. Spencer. They look so good. Fuck you, Burger King. Fuck you, Pizza Hut. That's making my life miserable. It's fucking embarrassing! Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Fucking embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing! It's Tuesday night. Token Tuesday. And we're back in the bowl for With episode you. 69. Can you even believe it? 69! 69, dudes! Yes. Wow, and I brought that 69 hard. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, Spencer, we saw the last episode. It was episode 67. You can't just jump to 69. You can't just change that around on us. You can't just be yeah, can. changing the numbers. What joke's on you? I actually can. I can do that. <laughs> Plus, we were going to have a Bulls with Buds between now and then with Gwiff. Gwiff had to reschedule with us, so that's going to come to the um, bowler's ears here at the end of the week as we get that rescheduled. But we already had the 69 topic picked out. We were already kind of in gear to do 69. Part of me even wonders if Gwiff was trying to flip it around and steal the episode 69. Well, guess what? Yeah, can. We're in charge of those numbers, so. We can kind of, you know, that's the beauty of podcasting. You can pretty much do whatever you want, which is the main reason why it's... uh, really being studied closely by uh, fascists and they're trying to figure out how to cancel the entire process. But uh, You can't. You can't. You can't. That's the beauty of uh, decentralization, running our own feeds, publishing our own material, broadcasting our own audio sounds and noises. When we want, where we want, in whatever order that we want. That's what's beautiful. Freedom in the bowl. Uh, and happy freedom to all of you guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you're in the bowl, that, of course, is our IRC chat room on the zeronode.net uh, IRC network. So if you want to join us there, you go to bowlafterbowl.com, click on Listen Live. You got a f- bunch of fancy links there. You got a link to the live stream, uh, which is that all thanks to No Debit for setting that up, an IceCast stream that you can hear our sultry voices every tuesday night here in the bowl and sometimes you can hear uh random bowls with buds episodes that sporadically happen on our guests uh schedules so those could come at any time you guys got to be watching for them and then uh typically you can always find something on the stream we usually got some music or something going so um sometimes it goes down like when i have a little private internet call i will take it off of the stream I don't want to necessarily be broadcasting that, but most of the time you can find it running on the uh, on the bowl after bowl stream. Sometimes you can even hear the Wolf of Kansas City drumming on it. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Or my children. Oh yeah, even better. <laughs> who are are improving with every every attempt to drum. Yeah, we got some new uh, 
We got a new electronic drum kit working up in here. That was fun. It's a very nice one. My so l- nice. The lovely Dame DeLorean allowed me to purchase. They allowed you, whatever. <laughs> Sounds cool. So we're going to be doing some stuff with that, too. But before we get too deep into that, we do want to thank some people. We already mentioned uh, No Debit. We set up our uh, Icecast stream, and we always like to thank you for that. Thank you. But we also have some uh, producers here to thank. Um, Net Ned screeching in right before the show uh, with a $20 donation, and we thank you so much for that. Thanks, Net uh, Ned. We have a note to accompany said donation. And, uh, of course, it would just disappear from it. Here it is. All right. The note is, in the bowl, neighbor. <laughs> love Net Ned. So thank you, Net Ned. And uh, we, we always love your support. Hanging out in the bowl, always. We also got uh, from Douche Bar a 420 donation via the uh, BTC Pay server. So he sent Ooh. us Satoshis. And actually, that was totally anonymous. I would have had no idea... Save for the fact that he texted the bowl line, which you can always do at any time, 816-607-DOOF, 816-607-3663. You can leave a voicemail, you can text us, uh, and we always appreciate and love your feedback. He said, hey, it's Douche Bar. Enjoy my Satoshis. Thanks for doing the show in the bowl. In the bowl, Douche Bar. Thank you. And when I said thanks to the Sats brother, he sent me this awesome Moana gif. You're welcome. <laughs> nice. So that's great stuff. Yeah, you can send gifts, you can send pics, you can send uh, pretty much anything to that lovely number, and we will get it eventually. I know Quirkest tried to text us earlier. She was having trouble connecting to the stream. Uh, meanwhile, I was off doing another event, but we'll talk a little bit about that uh, more in just a second. I want to thank Darren O'Neill for having me on uh, Grumpy Old Ben's last Friday with boobs, booberry. Uh, Booberry, you've heard on a Bulls with Buds previously. He hosts Behind the Schemes, SCH3M3S, SCH3M3S. Boy, if I say it enough times, uh, it'll just roll right off the tongue. Um, but yes, thanks for having me on. Always love being a guest over there. Again, a Bem Roseless appearance for me on the Grumpy Old Ben. So that was the second time I got on the GOBs, and both times, uh, well, really both times it was because Bim Rose was gone and Darren was just kind of on the no agenda socials just being like, hey, does anybody want to join me for a little uh, grumpy old Ben session? Let me know. And if I'm around and I see that kind of stuff, I usually bite and I bit and it was a fun time. We talked about all kinds of good stuff. You should check out grumpyoldbens.com for that episode. Um, yeah, that, that was my thank you list. Oh, and I do have actually one last special thank you. A thank you to C-Mike for sending me that invite to Hacker XKC, and that's what made me late tonight. Hacker XKC. Yeah, so I guess I could talk a little bit about that, because it was the reason that we got started so late. Yeah, um, <laughs> Hacker XKC, it was kind of like a employer speed dating thing for uh, software developers, uh, such as myself, to look for employment. So oh, cool. I actually got to... FaceTime with nine different employers. Whoa. Um, and most people, you know, the market is really looking for uh, mid-level and senior devs in my experience right now. But there was uh, one company that was looking for junior devs. And a couple of guys said, you know, I might be adding juniors to the dev team 
here in the very near future. So uh, it's always just good to kind of get in front of people and do the elevator pitch and the speed talk and, you know, just kind of cut to the chase of like who I am and what I can provide and what I can't provide, you know, and a lot of it was just, uh, I always start off with, you know, that you know, I'm a, I'm pretty junior in, in my experience level. I'm just out of a code boot camp, So, um, you know, my portfolio is a little bit lacking right now. And we've talked on the show before of how I, I've got like a wish list of stuff I want to add to it. And it's hard to find direction and hard to find, uh, what exactly do I need to be working on first? Because you can't really work on 11 projects at once and then expect them all to like get completed in any sort of timely fashion. Uh, that's what I'm learning the more I try to do this stuff. And, of course, my app wish list just keeps growing. Right now, I think there's 12 different things on there. You know, I'll probably have 15 by the end of the month. But I keep asking employers, you know, what is your advice for a guy like me who's got some programming under his belt, got a couple applications going, but now he's looking for something to add to the portfolio just to expand the knowledgeability and the ability to code? And also to, you know, have something else besides just the code camps to be taken a little more seriously. And I got all kinds of different uh, great advice and responses to that. Uh, somebody mentioned something called Hacker Rank that I'll have to be looking into, uh, mm. where you can actually take different proficiency tests and then display them on your LinkedIn, you know, to just say like, oh, yeah, I can solve this problem or that problem. Um, and, yeah, I'm just going to just keep taking some tutorials, taking different lessons, building things and playing around. And, you know, the more reps that I'm going to do, the better it's going to turn out. A lot of people said, uh, different meetup groups, like, uh, I guess there's a, some JavaScript meetups and some, um, other developer meetups that, uh, are fun to participate in and people work together. And that's sort of how you meet people and get ins into, into companies. And then, um, there was a group called DevOps KC that I'm definitely going to take a look at. And then they said hackathons, just do hackathons, which is great because uh, Centric actually has one coming up next month. So in that, you basically, uh, in this particular one, I've never done a hackathon before, so this will be my first time, but uh, they'll split us all up into teams of four, and then they'll have a real-world application that we need to develop together as a team and present, you know. Hmm. It's like a, like a coding competition sort of almost. But uh, at the end of that, then I'll have something else to put on my portfolio and say, hey, I've, I've done another thing. So, so is the term hack just kind of synonymous with coding? Yeah. Because I think of hacking as like breaking into things. <laughs> I mean, if you think of it as in like a life hack, you know, it's like Cheat code. solving a problem, okay. essentially, if you break it down to its simplest meaning. A hack is an innovative way to solve a problem. And so, I don't know, a lot of stuff, like when you first install React uh, and you enter the you know, command line for it, and it starts going, installing all of the different uh, packages. Then at the end, it says happy hacking, you know. Nice. Good luck to you. Like, here you go. You're done. You're ready. Take a rip. You talk about this, like, hacker meeting. I'm picturing a bunch of people with, like, black hoodies and Guy Fox masks (laughs) sitting there, like, with vocal filters talking to each other. (laughs) We're going to be true hackers, bro. Tomorrow yeah. at three thirty three p.m. <laughs> hackathon. This is where we're going. A hackathon is when you mm. hack uh, twenty six point two miles. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> hey yo.
I love this thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's my uh, that's my Hacker X experience. And again, I appreciate C Mike for turning me on to that. Um, when I signed up initially for the developers, it was like a minimum of one to two years experience is required, which I do not have. Just mm. have my experience from from the coding academy. So uh, I was kind of like, you know, halfway sheepishly being like, you know, I slipped through the cracks on this one. But um, everyone was like happy to, that I was there too, you know. And I didn't want to like, obviously you don't pretend like or punch up, you know, like, oh, I've got all this experience. Like, nope, I don't have a lot of experience, but that's what I'm looking for is experience. And uh, what direction, where do I want to be with it in five years? That is one of the hardest questions to answer because I'm so open to so many different paths. And um, I don't know. I don't know if coding is going to necessarily be the number one thing that gets me from where I am right now to where I want to be in five years because um, most of my goals are, you know, getting out of the city and getting into the woods and expanding, um, you know, my living situation for the family and providing for my family. So I'm open to a lot of different paths, but uh, right now that looks like coding is what's going to what's gonna bridge that gap for me and be my path forward. Dude named Spen. Dude named Spen. Full stacking it up. What stack can I add to these stacks? Ang- stacks on stacks. I'm looking at Angular. <laughs> Angular. Angular. Oh, boy. Another JavaScript framework. Can we add some more JavaScript libraries and frameworks? Can we add them? Can we add them? Oh, boy. Yeah, we sure can. They, they're never going to run out of them. They are never going to run out. So uh, it's funny because right when HackerX Casey started, there were 33 participants. And uh, that was the moment where I was like, I was almost going to blow it off. I was almost just going to be like, you know what? There's too much going on. I don't have the time. I don't. It's not, they're not looking for me. They're not, you know, they're looking for more experienced guys. I don't even have the experience minimum that they were asking for. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to go do it. And then there were 33 participants. And I was like, you know what? I made the right decision. You were supposed to be here. Yeah. But uh, anything else been going on with the magic number? Oh, yeah. This past week? Well, on this day in history, back in 1946, Mm. 33 people were killed and more than 500 were injured at Burden Park in Lancashire, England Mm. during an FA Cup quarterfinal tie between the Bolton Wanderers and Stoke City. Unforgettable. (laughs) Unforgivable. (laughs) Unforgivable. Unforgettable. One of those 33 was like a 14-year-old boy. But uh, capacity was 65,000 and they believe uh, more than 85,000 people were cramming in there yikes so yeah that's just where that's just what you need a bunch of hooligans in is a confined space yeah then there's 33 athletes at the citadel in uh south carolina i believe facing suspension after the school discovered they made improper purchases at the campus bookstore Oh, geez, how could they? I know, right? Improper purchases. I was huh? like, what does improper purchases mean? And it's just like, not compliant with NCAA regulations. Uh, but they said <laughs> that they were full scholarship student athletes who get funds to buy their textbooks, haircuts, uh, and uniforms. Dude, they get their haircuts paid for. So they were probably just using the and funds to buy shit that they wasn't were buy- approved. Yeah, the only thing I could find was like electronic devices. Sure. 
That so makes like sense. you could like buy like a Kindle or something. Headphones and yeah. iPads and um, Oh yeah, maybe a new MacBook. Yeah, yeah. There MacBook Pro. I mean you can <laughs> MacBook Pro. <laughs> there are definitely some I was gonna say like how improper can it be if it's available at the school bookstore? Right. You know, I'm thinking like, did they get a big uh, rubber dong or something? I don't understand. No, but how disappointing would that be to throw away your potential like pro career for a wrong purchase made? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh come on. <laughs> oh well, thirty of them were football players, two were bas- basketball players, and I couldn't figure out who the last guy was. So, and then uh, a ruckus in a strip club in Florida ended with the arrest of a 33-year-old stripper. They were very careful in this article to just refer to her as self-employed. Oh, nice. <laughs> but um, apparently she got into an argument with four other dancers. And um, in her statement to the police, she said uh, they were just mad because she was making more money than them. Yeah, that's and how it she yelled about that she was getting arrested for showing her pussy on stage. So only in Florida. No, no, ma'am. You threw a bucket at someone's head. Vagina. And that's why the cops showed up. Yeah, well, what happens in Florida gets spread all over the country in the headlines. <laughs> Seriously. But uh, did you see that Forbes named KCK? The taco capital of the U.S.? I did not. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I could see that. Go to KC Mo for the barbecue, then cross the border for the tacos. I can yeah, see I it. Yeah, I can totally see yeah, that. Yeah, there is a, there's plenty. Even, like, just on the Missouri side of the border, like, places like Margarita and Ponex and Southwest Boulevard, like, you get some mad Mexican food down there. So good. And the little shops, too. They all sell, like, the great different tamales and all kinds of stuff. Oh, the, that churro place? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember if it's a gas station or... It's uh, it's kind of in a strip mall, but they like uh, they sell all kinds of different churros and a couple mm. other delectable items as well. I, I wish I could remember the name of that place. It'd kind of be helpful, wouldn't it? But It would. I remember but... the taste and smell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dios mio, man. So, yeah. Well, do you remember that um, cold weather we had last month? I wish I could forget it. <laughs> the Kansas Corporation Commission is now uh, doing seven investigations of company practices hmm. associated with Evergy and um, the Southwest Power Pool. Just looking into why there is like a supply and demand imbalance and, you know, reduced uh, natural gas and yep. higher prices. Because now, you know, Normal folks are getting their bills in. I saw on the next door app, one guy got a bill for $14, and a lady that lived in his same neighborhood got a bill for $900. Jesus. And she said, you know, this time last year, or that time last year, her bill was around $200, which makes a bit more sense. Mm-hmm. But 900 oh boy. Yeah, that's a lot of money, dude. Yeah. A lot of money. So, uh, you know. Evergy said that they just acted under... Evergy is, um, like, the biggest utility provider in Kansas City. Right. I know, I just started saying Evergy, Evergy. They took over for Kansas City Power and Light. Yes. Um, And so a spokesperson from Evergy 
was like, yeah, we're totally cool with them doing this investigation. Um, we just acted under the directions of the Southwest Power Pool. Right. So they're just... And they put know. out calls to like 20-something states to, to shut power off and do rolling blackouts, right? Yes. Just to kind of... They say, they, and like, I don't know anything about energy or power grids, but they say that the reason that they did the rolling blackouts for like an hour apiece here and there is so that they could avoid uh, unplanned black yeah. blackouts that might have been more major. Yep. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I guess you need a forensic analysis to really see all of it, but uh, it definitely pissed me off that they shut your power off, you know? No kidding. When Without warning. When you're trying to, you know, work on things online or you work from home and then, you know, the last time we lost power here, two winters ago, it was out for three days. Yes. And so when you're, I mean, we already had the kitchen pipes frozen before that happened. And then you're just like, dude, my house can't take this again. Like, I can't survive another three days without power. Like, it's going to wreck my house. And you don't really have time to, I mean, we had time to... W- winterize the upstairs pipes we would have been able to do that but other than that you know you're pretty much screwed yeah they always wait till i'm pregnant too <laughs> <That's> weird, <right? sighs> yeah. yeah well the magic number popped up a lot when it comes to the coof it's always popping up I with mean, the coof isn't it yeah i guess that's still like the major national story so what's that all about the coof um but once again we had three states this week with 33 deaths reported north carolina tennessee and kentucky then do they just do they have a memo out that says hey if your deaths aren't 33 just don't report it yeah i think so because i don't really see many other ones popping up just wait till next week oh 19 deaths here they might be i don't know (laughs) but then uh in massachusetts they had 33 new cases reported for the Cape and the Islands. And that got a story. Oh, so it's like, just like part of Massachusetts we, had 33? So. Yeah, so it was a story because there was 33. If they just like, you know, chose a very small defined area. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're working like, to get that magic number they're in. They're like, hey, there was 67 deaths. And you're like, well, can you go county by county and get 33? <laughs> yeah, where's the 33 in there? Oh, well, we can just look at the Cape. We take the Cape and the islands, and that makes 33. <laughs> ah, so like the vineyard in uh, yeah, the Nantucket? Vineyard. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fantastic. Seriously. If you fly with British Airways, you can buy your COOF test for 33 pounds. Oh, my God. I was God. like, that sounds fucking expensive. Expensive and insulting. Yeah. Never gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Not flying British Airways. In April, music venues in New York will be able to reopen at 33% capacity. Wow. We're wearing the bell out, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not done yet either. This poor bell, it's like, it's showing its wear. There are 33 bars in New Jersey that might have their licenses revoked because they broke the coof rules. <laughs> you know, being hmm. open too late, probably letting people stand with no masks on. Yeah. That's, those sorts of things. It's so fucked up that uh, one of the biggest ways to get shut down is the category of people you did not kick out of your business during this time. It's like, oh, you didn't kick those people out. Well, now we're going to shut you down. What the fuck, man? 
That part is just egregious to me. <sighs> I'm a business. I'm doing business here. Yeah. I support businesses just being open and saying fuck it. Agreed, yeah. Uh, and if everyone had done that, I don't think they would have been able to fight with them, you know? Well, yeah, let the lawyers sort it all out, I yeah. guess, right? No, nah, we can't. <laughs> incredibly docile and controllable as a population. Yeah. Uh, then there were 33 Louisiana senators that signed a letter urging the governor to reopen and end the mask mandate. Like that. A lot of states are doing it. A lot of yes. states are opening up, so. And I think that's all, yeah, that's all the magic numbers, uh, when it comes to, as Booberry calls it, COVID-1984. COVID-1984. <laughs> behind the biggest I scheme did, of our time. I saw that the CDC said people who are fully vaccinated can gather together without masks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But they if finally you, admitted that? Yeah, well, fully vaccinated people with fully vaccinated people. <laughs> you know, as soon as someone comes along that's not gotten the jab, you gotta put that mask on because you're danger to them. Quirk has requests a freedom strike. Freedom strike. Strike for freedom, baby. Also, oh, this one, this story bothered me. Um, this There was a 90-year-old guy, I think he's 91, in Ohio, and he was accidentally given two vaccines in one day at a rehabilitation facility. Oh, Jesus. And, of course, that hit me close to home because my great-grandma... Thank God she's home now, but she, and she just came home yesterday from a rehabilitation facility where she got the vaccine. Oh boy. And, um, it, I guess he got his first vaccine in January and then, um, he fell and ended up in the rehab and they gave him the second one there. That was about a month later. Mm. So they were like, yeah, you're good for it. Then this is where the story gets fishy. Because employees at the rehab say that a city firefighter came in with a vaccine that said Victor, which is his name. His name was Victor Smith. Hmm. And so the nurse was like, this is for Victor Smith? And the firefighter was like, yes. And she gave it to him. Even though he had already gotten a vaccine from one of the nurses earlier. Like, how are they not keeping track of that? And so his body went into shock. In response, you know, Jesus. and the doctors are only calling it a vaccine overdose. They're just like, yeah, he had a vaccine overdose because he got two in the same day. God damn it. I'm like, uh, unforgivable. Did he live? He's alive. He is alive. Tough old bastard. Yeah. 91. Hell yeah. Gee whiz, dude. Uh, and they also did not specify if it was Pfizer or Moderna, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. You know, I'm like, come on, <laughs> let's find out. Yeah, you got to wonder even if they're like legally allowed to say that kind of shit. They probably have all kinds of protections. Yeah. Well, in freedom-loving Missouri, um, a representative, Susie Pollock of Lebanon, right? Lebanon? Is that how we say it? Yeah, That's Lebanon. Right. All right, got in it right. In Missouri, you pronounce it Lebanon. I'm getting used to Missouri lingo in names of places. Anyway, she proposed a bill that would make immunization re requirements apply only to public school students. Huh. Instead of, like, statewide, every kid has to get these. Um, she is a cardiovascular invasive specialist. And I guess she introduced a similar bill last year, but then the scamdemic popped up and everything, you know, went huh. off the rails and it never got heard or whatever. Um but there's an interesting part in her bill that says students would be allowed to attend public school if they can show evidence of acquired immunity also. Hmm. 
instead of getting the shot. Interesting. Like chicken pox. Sure. So apparently, uh, oh, yeah, just today, though, the lovely Show Me uh, State reported 332 confirmed coof cases. Oof, so close. So close. Choke the bell. I'm sure by now it's gone up. Probably past 333. We had to have <laughs> one more case, right? <laughs> well, they got the 33 in the beginning of the number, so they were just like, yeah, that works. 332. If we put three threes, that might be one three too many. We have to have that 33, just 33, and stop it there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my coof story. There's a lot of coof going around still. No flu no more, but no. definitely got coof. <laughs> I saw Sir Seat Sitter <laughs> arguing with uh, Scott Adams on Twitter about the coof. Because <laughs> Scott Adams, he like tried to be like Captain Based Man and everything. Like, oh, I'm the only guy that predicted Trump would win. Da, 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 da. But uh, he's been like the one of the hardest coof sheeps ever. Mm, coof sheeps. So that's funny. It was just like I I don't know, I didn't read the whole thread, but it was something to the extent of like he was saying that like masks work because we didn't have hardly any flu cases. What? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Sir Caesar was like, "Well, they're just counting flu cases as COVID now. It's all it's all COVID." And Scott was like, "Well, we test people for this, so we would know." <laughs> it's like, as though like these tests that are being done like spit out like. Oh, COVID nineteen specific, uh, you know. Right. They don't even have a isolated virus to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah, my understanding was that the test is for like several things that are in the same kind of category right. of coughing. Coronaviruses. Yeah. Which include the common cold. Yeah. Among other things, I don't know. It's very ambiguous. Everybody's a fucking expert on Facebook, you know. But I have not been wearing a mask. And uh, I guess I'm not really seeing many other people here not wearing masks. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, Kansas City still is doing the mask mandate. Right. Despite the state being, you know, all for freedom. Yeah, the state didn't have one. I think they had one for a tiny bit because of all the fucking political pressure. Um, But as far as the city, theirs is still ongoing. The state is one of the free states. Yes. You see in all the infographics, all these states with no mask mandate. Uh, I think Texas joins us on Wednesday. Is that right? I think Wednesday theirs falls off. It might have been this past Wednesday. But either way, uh, yeah. I just carry around my um, cowboy bandana and then I pull it off if... I pull it up if someone like gets in my face about it. But most people just leave you alone. I was going to say, when has that happened, though? Yeah, it just doesn't happen. Not anymore, at least. Fletcher says, yeah, the 10th. So tomorrow... Texas goes back to being mask-free, and uh, liberals are shocked to find that uh, they can still wear as many masks as they please when the mask mandate goes away. Yeah. It won't be... Shocked. Shocked, I say. It won't be illegal. It's like, you don't need the government to tell you to do it. If you want to do it, you can still do it. Just leave us alone. If we don't want to do it, bada-bing, bada-boom. I don't know, man. This whole thing, I know... Just beat the horse until it's deader than dead. But uh, I'm old enough to remember when this started off as, hey, just this two weeks, we can flatten the curve. And that means, you know, we expect everybody to come down with this no matter what. But if we flatten the curve, then that will mean that the cases go down in the short term. 
We get more cases over a long period of time, and that will keep us from overwhelming these hospitals so that people aren't dying on sidewalks outside of the hospitals. That was the whole pitch. That was the whole selling point, uh, if you remember back about a year ago now. I remember, because I'm not a fucking goldfish, and my memory is longer than, you know, seven seconds. So I remember when this all rolled out. And most of us who were not down with it were like, well, fuck, two weeks, all right, whatever. I think it's bullshit. But whatever, two weeks. Now we're here a year later, uh, still having people frothing at the mouth, saying, you know, uh, and I haven't heard any kind of flatten the curve for a long, long, long time. It's not about flatten the curve anymore. No, that that goalpost has moved miles from the stadium by now. It's fucking incredible. Uh, People just can't do critical thinking, and even those that are thinking about critical thinking, you read articles saying, no, don't do your own research. You can't be critical thinking. You can't be... exploring the uh, answers to questions you have on your own you just have to look at snopes.com or listen to the celebrities who will tell you guys if everyone gets the vaccine then it'll all be fine we just all have to get the jab yeah it's like, if everyone gets the jab everything will go back to normal that's, that's <laughs> like, go fuck yourself that's the resistance mentality is to just parrot multinational corporations big tech the pharmaceutical industry, and uh, the federal government. Well, you know, they're getting and, big, fat paychecks for those endorsements. <laughs> Hollywood douchebag propagandists. If you're, lockstep with, if you're lockstep with all of those five people, then you are a uh, punk rock resistance kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, Dwadnam linked us to that Forbes article. You must not do your own research. Insane. When it comes to science. I'm going to read that again. You must not do your own research when it comes to science. Do you know what the fuck science is? This is the problem. This is the problem. People talk about trust the science, believe in the science, the science tells us. Fuck off with that shit. Science is not a belief system. Science is not some kind of a formula telling you how to live your life. Science is not a moral code. Science is a method of inquiry. What is a method of inquiry? That means I have a question about something, and I have a hypothesis about what the answer might be, and then I go test that hypothesis to figure out if I can find whether or not it's true. If it's not true, then I go back to square one. Reform another hypothesis. Oh, it wasn't that. Maybe it's this. Retest. Look at the results. Share your results. Study other people's results. The scientific method is a method for doing exactly that, doing your own research when it comes to science. That's all science is. It's not something that's handed to you from above by these holy priests of scientism. It's a fucking method of inquiry. It says, hey, you out there in the world, you can discover how it works by going around and trying shit. See what happens. It's fucking incredible what they've turned science into. Yeah, I don't know. I learned the scientific method, and I went to lame-ass public school. It's insane, man. It's a, it's a, a huge blow to thinking people everywhere. And, yeah, you know, it's people our age, too, that worship science, you know, in place of religion. <laughs> well, they don't have anything else to worship, you know? They don't have any uh, background growing up. I mean, they crushed the church while we were growing up. A lot of us in the middle of the country still went to church when we grew up, but... Only enough to decide that, oh, church is fucking lame when we leave the house, when we go to college, and, uh, you know, right when you get away from mom and dad and you're out on your own, 
then you're like, well, you don't have to do all the stuff that they made you do anymore. Now let's fill your head with socialism and Marxism. Now that's what you're fighting for. And, oh, man, it's just so hard not to get totally washed and died in that, you know? Yeah. Well, if they make the church illegal, a lot more people are going to want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when I'll be clamoring I'll to get be back there. In. That's when I'll be clamoring to get back in, right when they ban it. Go underground again. Underground. Speaking of cool science, go back to the chiropractor now. Yes, we are. That was cool. Thanks to my midwife for the referral. Yeah, your midwife pointed us to a, actually a really cool chiropractor. It's like a husband and wife team. Yes, and they bring their daughter to work every day, and she's less than a year old. I would mm. guess nine months. I was thinking about a year to 18 months, actually. Mm. I mean, she's walking, and she has, like, hair, you know? Mm. She's not really talking much, but... You can't. It's hard to tell at that age when kids are in public how much they can actually talk. Yeah, fair enough. But she walks like well. She doesn't like toddle and fall, toddle and fall. That's true. But some kids start walking real early, and she was adjusted seven minutes after being born. That's pretty epic. Actually. So I loved. Okay, this is the first chiropractor I've been to where we got like a personal consultation, and then also got to hear the couple's story of, like, why they are chiropractors. And, of course, the female, for me, <laughs> she, like, her story really stuck out because it all started with, like, when she was a kid, she had super painful periods, which I could definitely relate to. Mm -hmm. And then she ended up being put on, like, antidepressants as a form of regulation. Uh, and then when she was an adult... Got diagnosed with adult ADHD and got put on Adderall. So now she's taking this pharma cocktail, <laughs> you know, and then gets the abnormal pap smear, right? Mm -hmm. But then decides to get into, you know, at least see a chiropractor. I don't know if she was studying then. Uh, for the first time when she was 23. And, oh, would you look at that? Like the cancerous cells stopped growing and like you don't need those drugs anymore. And your period is, like, regulating itself. She got a diagnosis that they were going to have to remove her cervix and that she would never be able to have kids. Yeah, she you essentially know? had the stage two cervical cancer that's precancerous. It's not cancer yet, but it's, like, the stage where they just keep an eye on it until it turns into cancer and then yank everything out. Jeez. And she was told, I mean, she pretty much was prepared to never be able to have kids. And uh, then she did, and... From that slideshow, it looks like it was a water birth, and I'm betting Cheryl or somebody in her circle was the midwife for it, and that was so cool. Yeah. And then, you know, adjusting the baby right away. That's what really blew me away. She said that 95% uh, of vaginal births, uh, just because of how the baby comes out, you're going to have uh, trauma in that top, what's that top vertebra called? I wanted to say the atlas, but I don't think that's it. I'm not sure. Uh, something. That top vertebra in your neck, though, it's, it's important uh, for alignment because there's so many nerve cells start and run through that. It's like if you had uh, a network of uh, fiber optic cables. That's essentially what the nervous system is, running down through the brain stem, and then it goes, that's the first kind of port they go through when they go down the spine, and that is the communication system from your brain to every organ in your body. And if that's pinched or... 
you know, misaligned that's going to be hindering those signals from your brain to the rest of your body. That can cause just about any issue imaginable. And the body, you know, has it does have its own systems for healing itself and for responding to pain and trauma. But if the body can't communicate with itself, if the brain can't communicate with the body, then it can't it can't interpret what's happening down there and it can't send signals to fix it. So it just screws your whole system up. You were so, right. It's the atlas and the axis. Oh, damn. How did I remember? Those <laughs> so top two. They say, uh, they say that 95% of babies born vaginally have some sort of uh, misalignment. Um, they had a more specific word for misalignments too. Um, it's like compressions or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, if that's not treated, if that's just left to go, you can have that same misalignment through your whole life. Yeah, and it's just getting worse. Like It gets steadily. worse, and then your body responds to be able to kind of cope with it by, you know, developing scar tissue and other toughness, other calluses, and things that sort of harden that into place. And uh, that's what we're trying to get ironed out. Another but, thing that blew my mind that she said was that, like, pain is like the last 10% of your body's response, it's like when you get to the point where you're feeling pain. Then the problem has already progressed. <laughs> yeah. Like you're past just having a problem. Yeah. Now your body's trying it's to... It's like, like crying out for emergency mode help. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I was really blown away by how much I learned from this chiropractor. And I've had chiropractic care before with a, a few different practitioners. And my life and health have always improved. Once I get like well adjusted, but typically I've just waited for that pain and I wait until I lose range of motion. And, uh, a lot of times it happens in my lower back and my hips and also in my neck. And, um, I just wait for, you know, I'll help like a buddy move and then I'll hurt myself and then I'll be like, not the same until I get adjusted again. But then I just never have stuck with it. But, uh, one of the cooler things they did was uh, show us our posture and they did x-rays, which I was super skeptical about. For you, not for me because I'm pregnant. Right. And that was the first thing out of my mouth was like, well, you're not getting a damn x-ray. <laughs> it was the first thing out of their mouth too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was kind of skeptical. I was like, they don't need to be shooting me with x-rays, you know, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I went into the whole thing absolutely skeptical and shut down. I wasn't going to, you know, I was only there. I mainly wanted you to have the adjustments because you did go have chiropractic adjustments throughout. Yeah, my first pregnancy, I saw a chiropractor regularly after the second trimester. My second pregnancy, I did not. And um, I had back pain throughout labor. Like, back yeah. labor, I guess is what they call it. And that was excruciating. You and, said it was uh, way harder on you than, than the first birth, yeah? Yeah, even though my first birth, I was in labor for 21 hours. Um, but, like... It really just, you know, discomfort level was very low. Um, and, I mean, really it was like an orgasmic birth experience. And then my second one was six hours, and it's just like it was a full hour at least of, like, excruciating pain and me being like, there's something very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're just, your back is just whack. <laughs> well, it was nice because they, right when we walked in, they were like, oh, you must be Spencer and Lorian. And they had read our file. Like, every every doctor you go to, there's a bullshit paper clipboard that you have to fill out. Or there's some online questionnaire that you fill out, you know? And then it just goes into your chart, and then it's in your chart. And, I mean, in my experience, usually, like, 
the doctor kind of glances at it when they first see you, and then they just go on to whatever their routine treatment is. Yep. These guys had read our file. They read stuff. They were telling us what we had already told them, and it like that alone, I already was just like my eyebrows went up. Like whoa, because when I filled it out, I was like, they're never gonna read this shit, you know. Uh, I'm just, this is just another step I have to take to go get some care. They read everything and they were actually, you could tell that, you know, they were customizing this um, treatment plan for the things that we went through in our lives to, you know, in order to fix the health problems that we had reported. And um, like I said, I was super skeptical about the x-raying. I don't want to just be nailed with radiation just because. And then when I went into the x-ray room, well, first off, they were like, you know, you're pregnant, you're not getting any x-rays, which I was like, well, yeah, no shit, I wasn't going to let you anyway, but that's great that they said it first. Yeah. And then there's this sign on the wall in the x-ray room, and it just says, um, to see is to know, to not see is to guess. We will never guess with your health. And I was just like, damn, that is actually what I needed to see. And, uh, there's still a part of me that says like, well, maybe this is all that extravagant sales tactics, you know, like <laughs> they're just doing this to get guys like you on board. But, uh, no, nah, the, the, the doctors are really genuine there. And I went in with such a bad attitude and I yeah, came out you of did. it. You're a dick. <laughs> I came out of it. So like, I don't know, blown away and kind of almost sheepish at like how, how I had acted going into it. Um, and yeah, I mean, my neck, it's just fuck, you know. There's this beautiful little S curve that you're supposed to have in your neck when your vertebrae are all aligned, and mine is just straight like a drumstick, mm-hmm. and it sticks forward. So you can tell. I mean, uh, right there when you're looking at all your bones and where they line up, and how your hips are a little crooked. Like I could see where I hurt right in those X-rays, and I'm like, oh yeah, right here, right here. And they're like, well, you know, that leads into, you know, that can help. That can lead into some of your eczema inflammation. That can lead into some of your problems with indigestion. Like all of this stuff, all these systems and organs in your body rely on those signals from your brain. So I can't I can't tell you how happy I am to sort of be on a, a recovery journey from that. Because, I mean, it just, when it comes to health, one problem makes 30 problems, which turn into 150 problems. Like it just exponentially grows if you let one thing get out of whack. And if you want to cut to the root and core of it all, you have to start with a healthy central nervous system. Yeah, well, and that's the problem too is, you know, like for back pain or something, like I have lower back pain all the time. Mm -hmm. If you went to a primary care doctor or, you know, Western medicine hospital or something, what are they going to do? They're going to give you like a painkiller to cover it up instead of actually addressing the problem. They'll give you maybe an ibuprofen or maybe an opiate and then they'll give you a muscle relaxer and then they'll say, take this forever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Until you need more and more. Because the problem never goes away, but then you can just eat drugs to get your brain basically ignoring the the warning signs. And uh, meanwhile, the problem gets worse or solidifies. Um, and you add in side effects from the drugs, you know? Something's so then you got new problems. Super effective that they did that no chiro... I've only been to one other chiropractor besides them. Um, but I can say that the level of care and the way that they talk to us and just the whole experience has been complete, like polar opposites. Um, 
but not to like hate on the other person, the other chiropractor. Everything was fine then. I didn't know any better, <laughs> but I just feel so pampered with these guys. Um, but they they put two scales next to each other and had me stand on, you know, one foot on each to see how my weight was distributed. And then I could just see how like one side of my body was compensating for whatever, you know, any, any of my issues. It was like I was like 10 pounds heavier on one side than the other. It was crazy. And so we um, yeah, we met with them. I loved also when I first called to get in with them uh i mentioned my midwife shout out to cheryl gilman thank you for everything um but they were just like yeah we love cheryl and then they're like so how many kids do you have just like you know having a conversation i was like well i got two and number three's on the way and they were just like oh awesome you know like how old you know i was like three and two and they're like oh our little one's gonna have so much fun <laughs> with your guys like bring them in and i was like bring my kids like i've never had a doctor be like bring your kids in you know like, yeah usually anything with healthcare is like look keep the germy kids at home get a sitter we don't you know like ugh, they're gonna be annoying and put their germs all over stuff no they have an entire kids room for yep. the kids like i I just can't even express my gratitude to these folks. It's refreshing. And it's kind of wild the way we've been trained uh, to think about medicine and especially when it comes to chiropractic. You know, like my grandpa was like always chiropractors are total quack. So that's just quackery. And then, you know, my parents generation was like chiropractic you need after you've been traumatically injured. So like my my dad went to the chiropractor. The first time I even heard of one was like after he got in a series of car wrecks and then he got whiplash and they recommended chiropractic care to get him better. But, you know, some people still to this day, probably most people would hear like kids and babies getting chiropractic adjustments and be like, oh, but what comes next? It's like, well, you have a kid, kid with a problem. You're going to take him into a, a pediatrician and put them on some pills Mm -hmm. and put them on, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, but there's no issue with that. There's no issue with giving them a dose of Tylenol. You you can feed them acetaminophen, but Oh Jesus, uh, isn't getting them adjusted dangerous. (laughs) Um, yeah, we've totally been, we've totally had the pyramid inverted when it comes to medicine and and our health. Well, it's very irritating. I mean, just that fact alone, that's what really set me off and put a coal in my belly. That you know, ninety-five percent of babies who are born have an atlas misalignment from the process of being born. Logically, when a guy like me hears that, I think, "Well, why the fuck isn't every single doctor who delivers a baby cognizant of that fact and able to correct it right then when it happens?" Do you know how much health would improve? Even if you never did chiropractic again, just if the doctor put the baby's bones where they're supposed to be in a gentle, trained way, right there, right when the problem happens, you just fix it. Why is that not on the checklist in a hospital birth? It It's unconscionable. Well. And yeah, we know the reason why. Because yeah. the schemes <laughs> get behind us, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> the reason is because you need to be sold shit your whole life. The reason is you need to be on this pipeline to be pumped full of fucking drugs and be kept a slave your whole life and be in poor health and be in miserable conditions and not have any way to help yourself or your family out of that. You, they don't want you happy. They don't want you healthy. They don't want you to have a good life. 
They want you to be dependent upon every fucking corrupt system that they've got just tentacled into the whole fucking society. Oh, it makes me crazy. Ding, ding, ding. It makes me crazy, you guys. It's fucking evil. But that's like what little we can do. We can, you know, learn new things, share them with our friends and the people that we love, and try as best as we can as a community. I mean, I'm just one fucking idiot, okay? I'm not some kind of guru here. I'm not some kind of fucking genius. I'm just one guy in his basement trying to tell you about my life. And I'm learning new stuff all the time. And uh, the more that we turn off these lies, the more that we unplug from these unhealthy systems, from these corrupt organizations, and from the people who, frankly, the only reason they don't want you dead is because it's profitable to keep you in somewhat state of living, you know, the, the more we're going to suffer. Well... These folks don't want people to suffer, and they adjust people's kids for free. Yeah, they get you, uh, you know, the husband and wife team goes in, uh, and we're a husband and wife team as patients, and they're like, hey, you know, both of you get adjusted, get on this plan, and we're throwing the kids in, and you can tell they do it because they care. They're like, you know, we're throwing the kids in because they have that same passion that lit up in me just now of... We have this knowledge and information. We can make our community a more healthy place. We can make people in a more healthy state. We can allow people to live their lives better than they thought they even were able to achieve hmm. just yeah, by doing help. it. So, you know, we're not after your kid's money for an extra patient, for an extra adjustment to tack onto the bill. We just want to make everybody in your family good and well, like actually well, like what wellness means. What it means to be healthy. Um, and they said they would do a house call oh, when that, the baby was born. That, I almost cried. I that was, was like, incredible too. What? Yeah, you they were and my like, midwife? <laughs> they're like, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you just had a kid. You need to relax. You can't get out of the bed. We'll come and adjust you there. So just do a house call. And house calls, that's like fucking 19th century shit, man. Like that's unheard of. And I already, you know, that was funny because it was part of my, our entry enter interview and my our initial consultation I was like you know no offense but I don't trust medical professionals for anything you know so to to have that amount of trust established and to just walk into a place where they know who you are and they care who you are and it's not because they say they care it's because they demonstrate with their actions that they care they do things that a person who would care would do and they do things that you know I've never seen medical professionals do like taking their masks off taking their masks off they were <laughs> like you know the office is empty so we're not really that worried about it uh now they did have to the whole office has like exterior windows and so it's really easy to see in and they said you know they've been harassed a couple times over it and so they're trying not to you know upset anyone and get shut down potentially and that's something i can appreciate too you know when when i'm talking about the mask thing for me, there's a fundamental freedom issue going on, but I'm also, I'm not trying to intrude on other people when I don't wear a mask. That's not the point of it. The point of it is I've done my own research, which is heavily discouraged by society currently, um, and I've assessed the, uh, the risks, and I understand the risks, uh, and I understand that they're minimal, and I understand that they're the risks that we've been taking ever since birth until this past year, and... Uh, that that's another thing that really trips me up about uh, the whole COVID-1984, if you like to call it that. Uh, 
just the the way that they've changed the way everybody thinks about what it means to get sick is like somehow in the past year everything that we know about virology has changed like everything we know about getting sick getting a cold getting a cough uh shortness of breath has completely flipped on its head but uh that's the difference that's the difference between basing uh your actions and your choices in love or basing your actions and choices in fear and fear is strong and powerful but it strips away all the knowledge and it strips away you know just just about everything that's necessary to learn and to grow and to improve when you're basing everything off of fear then you don't have time to learn you don't have time to test you don't have time to be wrong you're just fight or flight all the time and that's where they're trying to keep us and it's incredibly effective it's it makes me it gives me chills at how effective that's been societally in the past year it's fucking crazy yeah, forever. Look at the industry of childbirth. I mean, these <laughs> these are systems that have been growing and expanding for a long time, no doubt. I mean, the idea of communism itself, super old, you know, and they've been trying to infiltrate these institutions in America specifically for well over a century. But just the, it, it was crazy, I think, in the past year, they always, you always hear about the uh, metaphor of, you know, boiling a frog, how you turn up the temperature just bit by bit so the frog doesn't notice. Mm -hmm. Well, it was like they were forced to go way too hot, way too fast. And uh, it's it's wild how many frogs still ain't jumping out of that pan out there. But from the outside looking at that pot, I'm like, whoa, how are they getting away with this much? They're just <sighs> throwing the floodgates of manipulation wide open. It was like they're, it's almost like they're running out of time on something. I don't know. I can't really explain or put my finger on it, but it is startling to see. And, you know, there have been scams and schemes since far, far before I was even born. But, you know, tell me, tell me when it's been ramped up this hard in in our country. I can't think of another time. It's fucking nuts. And that's why we're here. We try to just, you know, be part of the solution. Just be another voice, uh, that you can turn to uh, giving you some other sort of message, some real human shit, you know? Not some fucking boxed corporate advertiser-approved clean, cleanly little sanitized ideas and opinions. Just real people. Trying to help real people. Trying to love real people. That's what we do here. That's who we are here. Learning a little bit every day. Yeah, we never stop learning. Nope. That's the thing why coding suits me uh, well, too, is because... you. You gotta be constantly learning. You're never done learning. The more learning you do, the more learning you have to do. Yeah, the more you realize you don't know. Because <laughs> you, prob you probably learned wrong at the beginning, you know? Mm. Well, shoot, you wanna go behind the curtain? Oh, I would love to go behind the curtain here. Let's do that. Oh, it smells good back here. Heck yeah. What do you got for us? Well, New Mexico just passed a bill through the House authorizing overdose prevention programs interesting which of course are the um Is that safer like the... consumption spaces or supervised injection facilities Ah, uh, okay um i didn't know if this was sort of like a narcan bill or a... well you know it's uh the intentions are to reduce problems with health in society like you know Sharing dirty needles, getting hep B, sure. doing drugs in public, or you know, shooting up in public specifically. It's really needle targeted. Um, so these facilities would, if the bill passes all the way through, 
uh, they provide sterile needles, you know, health care to people that need it, treatment referrals, and, you know, there's medical staff there 24-7. So, I don't know. I don't it, know. It's wild, man. I, um... They have these places in other countries, you know? In my I- drug policy background, one thing I've always been very clear on in advocacy is the repeal of prohibition of any substance. Um, but that's where it starts to f- kind of fuzz out for me or get confusing are these injection sites. Um, and you and you wonder where the line is between uh, healthy alternatives versus the enabling of addiction pr- uh, cycles, you know? It's like, uh, for me, where it really loses me is like you're, you're f- using taxpayer funds to get people high, essentially. <laughs> And, um, you know, there's a lot of wasteful spending when when it comes to taxpayer funds. The list goes on and on. And the more you look into it, the more your head will spin. But this is one instance where it's just kind of like, you know, I'm all for the full legalization of everything. Everything from pot to heroin, anything in between. There shouldn't be laws prohibiting you from getting that. But I don't think that on the flip side, the government should shoot you full of it either. You know, I mean, it should just be... One of those things, and I feel like things like dirty needles, things like people doing drugs that are frankly a little bit gross, uh, and people getting caught in cycles of addiction, a lot of those problems stem from prohibition itself, and the repeal of those prohibitions would do a lot to address the problems. Yeah. You know? I definitely agree. It would be nice to have like a wait-and-see moment of like, hey, before we go full bore the other way... Where it's like, we go from drugs are illegal to we go to, oh, drugs are free because the government pays for them for you. There should be some happy in between where we just kind of test out, oh, they're not illegal or free. They just, you're free. Yeah. You're free as a citizen. And you need to take responsibility for yourself. Can we kind of try that out? I mean, they're not handing out drugs. And I do wonder if they will have test kits on site to help people determine, say, like, if they have fentanyl versus, oh, you yeah. know, regular heroin. No, testing is something <laughs> that's, in my opinion, probably cheap enough and uh, practical enough to have a, uh, some sort of a government-funded thing if you're going to do public-funded things. Um, in the perfect world, there wouldn't be any taxes and there wouldn't be any, you know, the, the government would just be there to have an army and to protect you from outside forces and, and inside enemies, you know, but, um, if you're, if you're going to do welfare spending, I think testing is a great, uh, thing to spend it on because it, it, all it does is inform you. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the ability to do a drug. It doesn't buy the drug for you. It doesn't buy a, a paraphernalia for you, such as a needle. Uh, even needle exchange programs can be abused because dudes will just, you know, collect dirty needles, exchange them and then sell them. On the yeah, black market. The mar- ones, yep. <laughs> so that's just, you know, a- another way for people to make money off of taxpayer funds in the black market. So it does get kind of hairy. And I'm I'm trying to use nuance here, too, because, as we all know... It's a step in the right direction, after all. But we want to make sure that it's not... You know, we don't need to go all the way to the opposite end of the coin. There is a happy middle ground on all of these issues. Well, in my opinion, it's um, a step out of turn. I feel like... The prohibition should be repealed first. Yeah, I you agree. know, it's like okay, let's make sell these drugs clean, 
where just like in a legal weed state where you can, you know, you get your weed and it says like who grew it and where and what the content is, you know, it's a lot safer because you know what you're getting. Uh, it, so if we can just like do that as step one and then move on to like, oh, people need clean paraphernalia to do it safely. We, you know, don't want people shooting up on the sidewalk. Like, yeah, that, <laughs> well, there, I don't know. There it's, is a very, very schizophrenic sort of uh, existence when you have uh, a felony schedule one drug heroin which is totally banned by the federal government, but then you also have the government coming in and giving you clean needles if you are committing those felonies, you know? Yeah. It's like, can you make up your goddamn mind here? What what the fuck is going on? It's like, well, <laughs> this is totally banned and you're a felon and we'll lock you up forever if you do it. But if you are doing it, don't do it with dirty needles. Here, come get some free needles to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll help you do it. <laughs> in what universe is that the fucking... It's the one that we live in, I guess, you know? It's just crazy. It's wild. That has never made sense to me. And don't grow poppies, because, you know. Oh, Christ. Just no. opium. Clean the stuff, then you might not need the heroin <laughs> or the opiates. And, you know, got to keep you dependent on something, slave. Well, that's another thing that no one wants to talk about, is that, you know, heroin was invented by Bayer. Oh, I'll talk about it. Fuck pharma. It's all pharma's fault. Well, thanks for that, shit. you guys. We appreciate it. Good lord. <laughs> I feel better behind the curtain already. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> On all my pet Just... peeve shit. And you know, bring back the cocaine chewing gum, because why not? Yeah, man. <laughs> that sounds so... A little Red Dead you know, chewing gum. Maybe I didn't have time to make my coffee this morning to pop in the chewing gum and get on my way. <laughs> or should I just take the cocoa leaf, too? Like, you know, <laughs> seriously. It seems, it seems reasonable. So, the first city to use weed tax revenue to fund reparations is Evanston, Illinois. They are hoping to become a little local model for reparations programs hmm. nationally. Interesting. And uh, the fund is financed by 3% excise tax collected on weed. And, uh, yeah, it says that their plan is to pay $10 million over 10 years to African-American residents. Um, and they're expected to grant $25,000 to black residents and their descendants now i don't know if that's like per family or per person yeah there's a lot to be explored in that too because is it is it just people with black skin is it people who are american descendants of slavery is it uh you know what's what are the qualifications i guess and um i also wonder what mo thinks of that yeah that's if, what I was if he has talked about it we'll have to send him send a, it to mo we'll have to send him a note and get his take on it get us Get a uh, get a MoFax breakdown. Yeah, and that's another thing too about uh, reparations is once once they're made, will they keep trying to make them again? Uh, where's where's the max out? What is the cost? What is the you know what is the acceptable reparation? When Evanston residents are given reparations, do they are they then repaired? Are they then <laughs> right. no longer owed anything? You know, like if a federal reparation rolled out, would it be everybody but Evanston who's already taken care of? Uh, <laughs> there's so many worms busting out of the can, um, and it's interesting. I just like I'm just curious mainly. You know, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose I I don't have skin in the game on this one, literally, so. Nice. Yeah. But there it is. <laughs> Auto timeouts. Jeez. Oh, lame. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. I know there's a congressional bill uh, regarding some reparation uh, studies and developments. So, hmm. I honestly... Um I can approach the issue with a little bit of nuance, but in the in the strict legal sense of a population having been enslaved and being need to be made right, if that hasn't happened by now, it's got to happen, you know? And that's the problem, is a lot of people say, oh, well, how many people, uh, how many white people bled and died in the Civil War? Uh, how many people, white people marched in Selma with you guys and secured civil rights? Like, to say that nothing has been done is also not true. So there's this big uh, gap, and I know Mo's mentioned the same stuff too previously. Like there's, there is a gap, and, uh, you know, if, if reparations aren't fully made, what does it look like, and how do we make sure that it gets done, and then once it is done, is it going to be done forever, or is there down the road another, like, well, we are not fully repaired, you, you know? Yeah. I don't have I don't have any of the answers to those no. questions, but I'm also not going to just ignore the questions completely. I'm interested in the solution and I'm interested in where we're at, you know? Definitely. Well, we'll wait and see uh who starts consulting Evanston and what happens next. Um I did I read a little bit about Evanston, you know, and how for a long period of time, um African Americans weren't allowed to live in certain parts of the city. And it reminded me a lot of, like, the Kansas City truce divide. Mm-hmm. You know? I was just like, wow. I could see Kansas City, you know, being a good fit for a model like this, too. Sure. But- and that's the that's the weird thing with a problem, whether it's uh, just about on any level, is, like, does the solution work and make it better? And are there unintended consequences for the solution? Yeah. And that's whether, you you know, you talk about medicine, you're talking about laws and law change any any kind of change in any kind of problem solution analysis if you're looking for a, a patch to a code you know you put the software patch in and it breaks something like the system's just trying to get better as it goes on yeah. but uh, i think it takes all of our input and also thoughtful analysis of what is what is actually happening and what has happened in the past and what all of those changes and uh, events have led to yeah if well, if we're going to you can't do your own research when it comes to science, though, then there's no point in going forward with any of it. None of us could make anything better. You know? Well, and I do remember New York Times running an article uh, with pro- some professor saying that critical thinking is, like, terrible for us. <laughs> so right. just don't think about anything. Just don't think. Like, you don't need your brain. Just take our drugs. Take the Xanax and shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, in New Hampshire... The Supreme Court there ruled in favor of a medical patient who was seeking workers' comp reimbursement for his medical weed-related costs. Hmm, nice. Yeah. Uh, they join five other states that have ruled patients can receive reimbursement <coughs> under their workers' comp benefits. See, so, now, um, there's a situation where it's more than just the step in the right direction. That's arriving at the right destination. That's going all the way there, you know? Hell Yeah. Yeah, the uh, 
court said they were not persuaded by the state's arguments that insurance carriers could be prosecuted for aiding and abetting uh, someone commit a possession crime, you know, since the good herb is still federally illegal. God, that would um, be a stretch, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's how I felt. But I wouldn't necessarily put it past them. I, can, but. I was like, well, I can see their side of that. Like, But I think that this ruling kind of cements it. Like, no, right. you won't. And yeah, we said so. That, that sets a sweet precedent of anybody who, you know, if that wild hair scenario ever would come up, then people can pull up this case and say, no, this is like ludicrous. This judge said it would like never even happen. Yeah. The other cases... uh where people can get reimbursed for their medical weed costs under workers' comp are Connecticut, Maine, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New Mexico. I mean, if you can get reimbursed for Vicodin, you should be able to get Precisely. reversed. Uh, you should get reimbursed for some medical nugs. Yes. Yeah, in this specific case, uh, the man suffered a back injury at work. So he was choosing medical weed over opioids. A reasonable, healthy wow. choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. And I'm glad that was a great news. That was a, yeah, arriving at the destination, like you said. Honorary strike. Las Vegas is getting their weed drive through services. Ooh. They're kind of late to the game. Hmm. I know, uh, I think California, Maryland, and Mass allow drive through. Um, I think like Mass and Maryland were pressured to do so when the scamdemic started. Sure. Yeah, People don't want to get out of their car and limit <laughs> the capacity of the store and all that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Contactless pickup. Yes, yes. I will drop it in the tray, push the button, and the tray will slide out, and you will pick up your bag after you have first put your money in the tray, of course. Untouched by human hands. But yeah, uh, I've only driven past Las Vegas. I haven't taken my visit there yet <laughs> uh but i guess they have drive-thrus for alcohol gambling w- wedding drive-thrus and also peep shows that oh, you can drive through that's on like, the bucket list man i got a car tour to do and lot of shit maybe i just never get out of the car we just drive through las vegas alcohol gambling weddings and peep shows i mean that sounds like the itinerary in order <laughs> bam like all laid out yeah It was a unanimous vote from uh, the Las Vegas City Council to rescind the restriction on drive-thru operations. Um, And other jurisdictions in Nevada already have the weed drive-thru, so they have arrived. It's it's weird that Las Vegas would be late to that, but uh, maybe they had to get the uh, monopoly structure in order before they rolled it out, you know? Yes. Yeah, of course. All the backroom meetings. All right, which cartels will be allowed to do the drive throughs <laughs> Who's going to get the licenses? <laughs> All right, now we know we can legalize it. Uh, the governor of West Virginia, whose last <laughs> name is Justice, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> hmm. he supports taxing the absolute crap, that's a quote, out of <laughs> weed to replace the income tax. I'm in. All right, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm in. Yes. Um, I would pay, I hate taxes and I would pay stupid taxes on weed to uh, not pay an income tax. I'll Absolutely. compromise for, re- yeah, sales taxes over income tax. My income should not be taxed. Because the sales tax is something you can dictate, you know. Yeah. And it's also has a progressive effect of that people who make and spend more pay more tax. But, but really fuck all taxes. That's not here <laughs> nor there. Um, yeah, he also said that he'd be inclined 
to sign legalization legislation if lawmakers sent it to him because he's heard from members of the medical community that uh, legal weed sales could help West Virginia's opioid overdose problem, which, mm-hmm. of course, West Virginia has been hit really hard. Yep. So, yes, good moves all around. Glad that he's getting uh, decent information. He did also make it a point to say in this like town hall meeting, though, that he's not really like a supporter of weed. But it's like, hey, man, you get the economic impacts, the, you know, safety, actually caring for your fellow man and like wanting less death and destruction and crime going on in your state. I commend that. Definitely. Um, If you met a guy named Spencer Roach, <laughs> you'd think he was like, he'd be like, that's a cool name, right? Yeah. Kind of like Roy Blunt. <laughs> yes, exactly like Roy Blunt. Yeah, well, saw, you saw how that turned out. Uh, this guy is trying to put a cap on THC potency in Florida. Uh, yes, his bill just moved forward in the House. Um, the cap the bill proposes is 10% THC. And this is a medical market, so we're talking about medical weed for patients. Uh, mm-hmm. It also limits patients to 15,000 milligrams of THC every 35 days. Oh, God. But here, here, here's a great kicker. Uh, if you have a terminal condition, your physician can override your you know, limit and say, oh, you can get any percent you want. <laughs> you're good to go. Oh, oh so it's going to kill you? Oh, you're going to die? Oh, you're going to die? Okay, then you, you can... can have freedom. Yeah, exactly. Then you, then you can like, be free, I guess, for the rest of it. I don't understand. That's disgusting. His thinking behind this. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, oh, he's been sold a line of bullshit. Right. The reefer madness line of like, oh, today's weed is not yesterday's weed. It's like, um, right. actually... He's been convinced... It's a plant and... By maybe some of the rehab people or maybe some of the law enforcement people that somehow these sort of measures, a limit of amount of THC over a period of longer than a month, for instance, or a limit of the percentage THC in medical marijuana, how is that going to improve anybody's life or improve any system? It's not. It's not. It's not. It just creates a new set of laws that they can hit people over the head for not following and pay people to enforce and waste some taxpayer dollars to solve solve what doesn't exist as a problem. Exactly. Potency of weed is not a problem that needs to be solved. And uh, THC, you know, produces the strongest medicinal effects. So, like, if these patients aren't getting um, the help that they need from the weed they can buy, then they're going to go back to opiates. Right. (laughs) And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the thinking behind it. Maybe that's the driver of this bill. Well, it's also... More money. As far as drugs are concerned, it's a drug with one of the widest overdose windows possible. The the amount well, yeah, of... Like 0% chance of death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the amount of distance between the lowest uh, effective dose and the overdose is uh, a sideways eight. It's infinity because there's no ceiling on it. Mm. Just frustrating. It is frustrating. That's a step in the wrong direction, but, you know, it's just... It's just a bill. It's just a bill, hopefully. And it's sitting you know, there on are, Capitol Hill. I'm sure people are making phone calls to their representatives telling them how stupid it is. And I'm sure a lot of them know it's stupid. It's come on. <laughs> yes, one would hope by this time. Well, 
South Dakota. On to South Dakota. I'm back in South Dakota. This got you kind of upset, actually. Yeah, I know. It's it's hard. I uh, I love that South Dakota um, said, fuck you, scamdemic, stayed open, yeah. stayed free. But uh, just the weed stuff is very frustrating. And you made a good point when we talked about this, uh, like over at your dad's house one dinner, about how... Um, you kind of like put the ball in like the the activist court. You said we haven't explained it right. Yeah, well, I think there are a couple of state activists who also I think recognize this and have known this, but um, not very many of the suit and tie variety, to put it uh, as mildly as I possibly can. Not many people of the suit and tie variety understand this concept of re- the repeal of prohibition in all of its forms, but especially when it comes to drugs and peak of the pyramid, especially when it comes to pot where it's already, uh, that Pandora's box is already wide open. It's never being shut again. The difference there is, um, we haven't sold this as a conservative issue. We haven't sold it as a small government issue. We've sold it to the libertarians fine as a freedom issue. We've sold it obviously to a lot of the progressives, who, when it comes to votes and when it comes to prosecutions, actually overwhelmingly don't support us and are not on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sold it to them for them to, you know, pay lip service to us that they're going to do stuff and then they never really follow through fully. But we have not sold it to the conservatives that this is a conservative issue, that the repeal of prohibition, the repeal of drug prohibition specifically, actually is a conservative issue. It's a small government issue. And if they want these societally policed, uh, there are other mechanisms to do that, like the church, which has fallen, you know, into shambles over the past 50 years. There used to be institutions that weren't the government that were, you know, trying to have an impact on society to lessen vices. And there's a place for that, but it's not in the government. No, bring back the organizations. And, you know, I think that we've failed as a movement to explain that to the conservatives properly or to, you know, even reach our hands out mm-hmm. to conservatives, listen and talk to conservative voices. Yeah. Even I've been in rooms where, you know, I'm too conservative to be in the room and I'm not a fucking conservative yeah. by any stretch <laughs> of anybody's imagination. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. I have, you know, I've expressed on this show support for Donald Trump, which newsflash to you, he's not a fucking conservative either. He has some conservative beliefs and issues, and he's probably more truly conservative than a lot of Republican presidents that we've had. But shit, dude. Yeah, Lavish says we're all kind of radical moderates around here. <laughs> yeah. I'm like Milton Friedman gone. I'm like Friedman gone mild when I take uh, most political compass things. If you can plot your uh, political beliefs and opinions, which, by the way, do change over time. Yes. If you can plot those on a two-dimensional graph... Which I don't think you can. Everything's super nuanced, you know. Definitely. So the South Dakota Senate approved a measure that would have facilitated the automatic removal of certain convictions from background check records. And then the House came and killed it. Oh. But, I mean, that's a step in the right direction. And with this topic, I'm just not expecting South Dakota to take any steps right now. Sure. Um, In fact, they have... There's a bill right now also in the, um, I just went back to the House. It passed the Senate. And we talked about this a few episodes ago. Um, 
And what it would do is delay the implementation of the medical weed market until 2022, right. which voters yeah. approved. I remember telling uh, you uh, telling me about that. Yeah, in November, voters also approved recreational weed in South Dakota. Um, but in February 2021, the Sixth Judicial Circuit Court ruled that their constitutional amendment was unconstitutional. <laughs> and so that's dead in the water. Brilliant. Yeah. It's likely that the Supreme Court will, you know, pick it up and we'll see what happens then. Um, but till then, well, South Dakota just kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Time to reach out that hand and, and explain this small government. <laughs> especially in states that lean red in uh, legislative makeup. A lot of times the citizen initiatives like that pass, then everything is done in further legislative sessions to try and put the kibosh on it. Yes. So the Attorney General of California is arguing that weed companies operating on provisional licenses do not have the right to due process because those same permits were designed to be temporary while businesses awaited decision about annual license applications. Hmm. And this comes about after uh, Heron's lab filed suit against the California Bureau of Cannabis Control after the agency revoked its provisional license last month. So it's weird because it's not... A provisional license is like between a temporary license and getting your final answer with the license. Sure. You know, but I guess 83% of the legal weed market in California is operating on provisional licenses. Oh my God. So if it was created to be like a stopgap to help the industry keep flowing and, you know, for them to be able to process the applications or whatever and sure. more timely, it's not working. <laughs> No doubt. Yeah, you'd think in uh, three years' time they'd be able to establish a, a few more <laughs> yeah. actually fully licensed uh, vendors. Yeah. There's uh, less than 10,000 businesses. 17% of them are licensed, basically. Yeah, over 8,000 of these, um, I'll round up to 10,000 businesses, are <laughs> on provisional. Jesus. And then now, now the Attorney General is saying you don't have the right to due process on a provisional license. Ugh. I don't know. That's bullcrap. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get why you would roll out, especially when you're just rolling out a program and implementing it, why you'd have a provisional license set up. But you would think that that would be able to sunset and you'd be able to fill a market with actual licensed players. And then, you know, don't bogart the licenses either. Like, give them all out. Everyone has their license minimum written into their various state laws. They ought to be all awarded, you know. If there are qualified applicants and there are licenses available, those licenses should be awarded. But what makes a qualified applicant? One lady in Detroit is suing the city for allegedly discriminating against uh, business license applicants who don't meet the definition of resident. Uh-oh. Yes, she just filed the lawsuit last Tuesday. Show day, of course. <laughs> and she said that... Uh, the licensing process, um, well, okay, so it, it says that it gives um, preference to people who qualify as a Detroit legacy resident. And what that means is that you've resided in Detroit for 15 of the past 30 years or 13 of the past 30 years and you qualify as low income or 10 of the past 30 years if you've had a controlled substance conviction or were the child of a parent who got one. 
Mm, interesting. Um, legacy applicants will be getting the first opportunity when the city starts taking applications in April, and they will be the only applications that are reviewed for the first month and a half. Mm. Then they'll consider applications from businesses that already have medical weed licenses. And if there's any room left, then they'll look at other people who applied. Hmm. So we'll yeah. see where that goes. That's a little weird. The uh, Her lawsuit is just asking the court to invalidate the legacy rules. Sure. Just open it up. But of course, we've been reading about this in the push for so social equity well, in the licensing arena. I appreciate this story because it's the first time, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the show in the show about the reparations baked into some of these uh bills and specifically the equity uh requirements for licensure. But this is the first time I've seen it spelled out so explicitly. Yes. And there is a sliding scale of how long you've you've lived there to cons- be considered a a local essentially, right? A yep. local resident. And that required time goes down if you qualify as low income or if you uh, had a conviction or were the parent of a conviction. And remember, that was the main target of reparations in these uh, legalization bills. Were, sure, victims of the war on drugs. Right. The the law that it is addressing, the victim of the poor law that was in place before. I mean, that makes sense. And uh, I think it's well done. I think the way that they could have done it in a more fair way would have been just, yeah, you're you're going to stack these applications first, but I don't understand the extra month and a half. Yeah, you know, I agree. It's going to take wh- however long it's going to take, but our office is going to process them with these people's on the top of the stack. I think that's how they should have done it. And then, you know, if you have skin in the game and you're investing in real estate properties to open these companies potentially or whatever you're trying to do, at least your license is in and, you know, you're in line and you're in the queue. I think the month and a half is just trying to take a guess at how long it's going to take to process applications, you know? Another thing, I don't like when they're like, well, if there's any, you know, licenses left over, then we'll keep looking at applications. I think it should have been maybe more like, oh, you know, 33 licenses will go to the legacy residents, 33 will go to medical holders, license holders, and 33 will go to everyone else. Sure. Something more like that. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's tough to predict, like, the percentage-wise who's going to take what, too. But uh, I don't know. It's impossible to please everybody and oh, yeah. uh, compromise <laughs> fully and have the perfect plan. I'm just intrigued to see where the, the laws, where this lawsuit goes. I think that this is, um, I think it's well thought out except for that time requirement. Yeah. That time gap. Yeah, a month and a half. <laughs> but I can see both sides of it. You know, I can see Definitely. people who maybe they've lived in Detroit for five years and then, you know, they also qualify for all of the above, but they don't get the legacy, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. In Maine, 18 towns approved the sale of recreational weed in their community last Tuesday. Nice. Yes. At least 27 towns uh, voted as part of their state's annual town meeting day. Oh, how quaint. Mainers are so cute. It is cute. So cute. I can just see them walking down from the lighthouse, going to their town vote, town meeting day. Here you hear you, the town meeting day. You hear the clanging of a bell. Clang, 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 clang. The seagulls squawk overhead. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, sales won't begin until October 2022nd at the earliest. I think it's interesting leaving it in the hands of the community. I think it's the best way to do it. You I kind of like that. Because then, yeah. 
if you're letting locals control their own stuff, then maybe they're making their own mistakes, but their mistakes are also only affecting them too, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that a lot more people should just get involved locally and that local municipalities and counties and the smaller regions should have more say in what goes on there, you know? Yeah. And the uh, recreational measure that was approved requires towns to approve the licensing to do business in their community. So I gotcha. Forcing it in their hands, which is good. People need that. It's interesting. I like Gotta the, be involved uh, locally. I like the provisions in, I think our state had the same one where uh, towns are allowed to ban it, but they don't necessarily like, yeah. they're not required to approve it. They I like that. I, I like that one better. I like that too. You got a problem with it, then you can, you know, go through this process, this rigmarole. Because the way Maine did it, it's like, well, it's automatically banned unless you say it's not. (laughs) Yeah. It's not as cool. No, no, not as cool at all. (laughs) Kind of like uh, the first criminal case against two can of businesses in Alaska. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. Uh, They're accused of falsifying business records, misusing pesticides, (laughs) pesticide pollution, and reckless endangerment. Oh, no. The case only became public uh, this past few weeks, uh, but the offenses were committed in 2019, October. Um, allegedly. Well, offenses allegedly. were allegedly committed. <laughs> allegedly. So products were recalled from their business that had mycobutanil, which is a fungicide, and slyfluthrin. Slyfluthrin, <laughs> uh-huh. which is an insecticide. But story has it that some vindictive former employees might have sprayed the plants with the pesticides. Oh. And I would like to point out that no reports of sickness were received Hmm. from consuming this uh, weed that was recalled. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. That's wild. Yeah, and I do. I, I wonder what the falsifying of business records would have been. Would it be like also pesticide related? Well, I, I wonder if it's like not having the pesticide on your label. Could oh, that count? That I don't know. I don't know what can because I don't know what a business, business record, record exactly. Right. Um, so. I'm sure we'll hear more though as it unfolds. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. But I think it's cool. I um, personally, I think it's really cool if like the grower lists everything that's involved in the process of growing the plant that you're about to consume. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and even and then people could be free to use certain pesticides and then I could be free not to buy their stuff. Exactly. I yeah. think that would be. I think the market can dictate most of the most of the little nitpicky shit. Yes. People should just have a lot of options, you know. Yeah. Government wants to step in and just like set either limits or requirements and really like just need to get oh, out of the way. Too just many, back out of the way. Too many laws. Too just much. Say, Hi, oh, I'm the government. I'm not a cannabis grower or a cannabis consumer. I'm merely the government, so I'll stick to government things. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? There's a multi-state operator in Illinois that is accused of illegally moving weed to Arkansas. Hmm. Um, and this is a weird story. A former employee was arrested in January of last year uh, for illegally growing at home. But he alleges that he was growing his weed on behalf of the company that he used to work for. And that they were the source of the clippings he grew his plants from. 
uh, in that <laughs> he even narked on a certain employee who oh. he says brought them to him. And that guy just happened to be indicted for an illegal gambling ring. I'm shocked. Uh, shocked to find there's gambling going on here. So, there you go. There's a weird story, too. Another case. <laughs> Another case uh, that we're just hearing about, and we'll see where it goes, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot to follow right now. Yeah. The state line thing, though, man, it's like, I don't know, federally illegal, but... We're I know, the I know, United States, what, so if they're both states that have a market, like, <laughs> to get from A to B, like, as long as you get there, right? Like, can we just ignore the middle? Like, <laughs> No. 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 No, no <laughs> that, would be, no. that would be too sensible, and uh, it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be justifying any budget spend if you did it that way, you know? Yeah. You gotta get that budget spent so that next year... You can get a little bit bigger of a budget. Two senators in Pennsylvania introduced a recreational bill. Farmer Todd sent me this story. So thanks, Farmer Todd. Attaboy, Farmer Todd. Um, and yeah, you know, then they would have hemp, medical, and recreational in Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, the bill talks about having 100 plant microcultivation centers that would get licensed in the first year. And then the next year they would do 50 more licenses. And then after that, they would determine expansion based on supply and demand. But the bill was just introduced, so... Just getting started. Yes, just getting started. And then uh, today, legislation was introduced to amend the Immigration and Nationality Act by removing weed offenses as grounds of inadmissibility or consideration in a good moral character determination. Hmm. So, stop possession charges from preventing someone from gaining citizenship. Well, that's good. Yeah, that shouldn't be a disqualification at all. That is a step in the right direction, if I say so myself. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction, after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, after all. It's 11-11, make a wish. Wish made. So, uh, in honor of the 69th episode, we are talking about the first time I ever 69 today. So as most of you know, we have a different topic every week, first time I ever, and that's what it is this week. And we've got some voicemails and I think a couple of texts in there too. All right. Some of them concerning this topic, some of them concerning other topics, but if you want to weigh in on uh, anything we've talked about tonight or to tell us the first time you ever 69, uh, it's easy to reach the show. Call 816 that's right you know that it'll happen and phone boy is even wondering if his voicemail his first voicemail worked uh and i think your voicemail probably worked better than the transcription let's hear oh my goodness it would help to unmute your channel. Remember, that's a that's a podcasting tip from the bowl. <laughs> In case you guys need one. Oh my gosh. Can you see that juice? It's phone boy. And I don't think I've ever done the sixty nine thing, but yeah, I guess I'll go with the first time I first time I had sex, made love, whatever whatever phrase you want to use. All of the um, above. 
Yeah, the person I did that with, and, and I'm, I don't even remember what year it was. But, First time you ever boinked? Uh, yeah, you know, it was just one of those one of those things. You when you it's like you have it, and you go, "This isn't the right person," and I don't know how to explain that. That was just a feeling I had. It's just like I, it's like okay, I just did this thing, and yeah, it felt good, but this doesn't feel like the right person. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, you know, and she wasn't the right person. You know, just leave it at that, I guess. But uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, I guess there's all kinds of you know, there's all kinds of ways to do it, I guess. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, save the details of that for you know another time, I guess. But uh, well, you know, uh, things are things are uh, things are good now. So. Boogity boogity boogity. Amen. 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 Yes, the transcript starts out, oh my gosh, period. Can you see that Jews? Question mark. <laughs> like capital J-E-W-S. <laughs> and it's fun boy. It's fun boy. It's never phone boy. No, never phone We've boy. got the fun before, so it's it's the first one I've seen in double. But it's fun boy. Can you see that Jews? Yes, Dwanam. <laughs> That's what it says. Fantastic. Great job, Google Transcription Bot. Never done the 69 things, but. I wonder if there was some reason that uh, he was wondering if it worked or not. Uh, maybe he explains further. I have no idea if my first voicemail came through because, yeah, apparently I, I had called John and Carolyn. We did a did live post stream, whatever. And, yeah, apparently my voicemail uh, didn't get played on the show because it was, uh, um, yeah, it was it was. It was it was silent, and I immediately then called bowl after bowl. So yeah. I don't know if my voicemail actually made it. So uh, you got I don't it. Know, maybe, well, the, the question is, do I actually say what I said before and play it again, or no? I don't know. This is you know, whatever happens, I guess we'll just you know, well, I, I, in this moment, I don't know whether I should actually call you again and tell you. I, I didn't have a first time I ever 69 story, but anyway, I'll, I'll say, but, but, um, God, you know, it's just, I don't know what, I don't know what to say, but, uh, this should go through because yeah, I know it all works because I spent an hour talking to John and Carolyn and hog story. And I guess I'll, on, on in post stream and I'll probably do it. I'm actually going to be on Thursday. So, Hey, we'll, oh, cool. we'll concept, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm conflicted, but you know, that's just, it all just sucks. What can I say? No but doubt. I, anyway, I feel you there, man. I'm sure. I'm sure. Whatever. Whatever happens, happens, and I'll just. I'll just. Uh, you got to roll. With go it. with. Uh, I'll just go with it. Uh, you know, it's, it's being lost to the sands of history, and if it, it comes through, I will be. Uh, I will be pleasantly surprised. I like fresh air, motherfucker. Oh yeah. Yeah, it came through, man. Yeah, the bowl full of pleasant surprises. That would be kind of an existential crisis because uh, you don't know. It's like, well, if I already said it, I don't want to say it again. But if I didn't say it, I want to get it in there. But it worked. It worked both ways. Way to go. And uh, the reason I chuckled there uh, at the one point is because the transcription for that part is uh, (laughs) Johnny Carolyn Dog Story, (laughs) (laughs) which tickles my pickle. Johnny Carolyn dog story. Yeah, f- fantastic. Um, so far, we're still looking for a... Uh... 69! 69, dudes! Do you have a story to enlighten us? I do. Oh, boy. I have 69. <gasps> the first time I ever 69 was with you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was 18. 
Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. I told I said you're going to be shocked. That does shocked, I say. <laughs> that surprises me and also it doesn't. That's what I told you. I said, you know me, so you won't be surprised, but you will be surprised. Yeah, you called that out right away. Yes, I remember it vividly. Yeah. College days in the slums, Jim Morrison looking down upon us <laughs> <laughs> on your mattress, or maybe it was just like the egg foam that goes on top, egg crate foam that goes on top of the mattress. It was you know? a thin twin mattress on the floor. On the floor, with exactly. No box spring. With our blanket softy. Yeah. That we still have. Oh boy. <laughs> Blue softy. Who's been to many a toga party as a toga. Yeah. It's a ratty, uh, it's a ratty, uh, sheet by now. Yeah. But you know, you had. Just with you, age. You had a literal 69 sign. Yes. And, um. Allegedly. Allegedly. 69 highway. I just said a sign. Is an infamous highway <laughs> somewhere in the area. But yeah, and that's all signs pointed there, and you know, I just went with the flow and tried something new, and probably did not say like, "Oh, I've never done this before." Well, <laughs> that's funny, because um, <laughs> yeah, you definitely didn't let on or anything. But see, I was half expecting your a uh, first sixty nine story to be like, "Oh, some girl who I was toying with oh, in middle yeah, school, like girlfriends," <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, but no, uh, just you're right. It's, a, it's always one on one. Surprising and unsurprising, both at the same time. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Uh, let's see what this bowler had to say. All right. Oh, hey, bowlers! I uh, I was told I was told there would be some hole eating. Somebody was going to eat my hole. <laughs> I reckon I'd like that. <laughs> so if you could just point me in the direction of the hole eater. I'll be on my way. <laughs> hey, who's eating a hole? I think uh, Sir Seatser has a, a show about that coming up. Yeah, he does. Coming up. <laughs> a, whole, a whole episode. We'll point you in his direction. <laughs> a, a whole episode, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> about, about eating ass. Hashtag all holes matter. All holes matter. <laughs> yes, they definitely do. Hog story, 7 p.m. Mondays and Thursdays, Central Time. That's correct. Sixty-nine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first Hell time yeah. Ever Sixty-nine was in Australia uh, with a uh, red-headed, blue-eyed uh, merchandise girl from the tours. I think it was the second week that what? I was there. Uh, nice. <laughs> it was a lot of fun at the time. Learned a very valuable lesson. You know, sometimes relationships are a total soul suck, and uh, it's mm. best to eject <laughs> immediately as possible. I, I think sure. that's uh, one of the best lessons I've ever learned on the road. Um, and because I am such an inclusive and woke individual, uh, I'm going to modify it just a little bit. But the phrase is, hey, man, don't let that genitalia rot your mind. Booze out. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. A gender-neutral message everyone can get behind. <laughs> I salute you, boobs. Very nice. Boobs salute. Yeah, sometimes relationships can be a total soul suck. It's good to know. And uh, the sooner you know, the more you know, the better off you'll be, I guess. And you got to be honest with yourself, too. I mean, I've been through the relationships where you're like, Especially the earlier on you are in the whole relationship doing thing. Yeah, experience really helps. It's like, sure. oh, I don't know if like this is going to ever come by again, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, especially in your first one. I mean, Wait, if you were like you me use? and you weren't very good at girls in high school, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> we never do. <laughs> Honesty <laughs> and sincerity kept destroying me. And the, uh, oh, and the, and the actual, like, unhidden want to be a father, you know, sooner rather than later. That's crazy. Uh, that wrecked my early relationships also. Yeah. <laughs> the want to have children. <laughs> yeah, just like if you want kids, then people are like, Ooh. Yeah, you're but like, you're well, like, hey, I mean, well, at least we had this I'm not discussion saying early. I'm not saying tomorrow. Nice I'm just saying, you know, why, why wait around for a bunch of, you know? Yeah. Why wait around once you figure it out? Like it's important to establish that in a relationship too. For me, my whole life relationship was long term about you know family making. It's like you're trying to find the person you want to make a family with. Yes, are you the one? (laughs) Are you the one? There is the one, and it's like your decision. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's like you get to decide. Largely a choice. That's why it's wild. The whole wait to marriage idea to me just is like (laughs) one of the hardest pushed parental advices I ever got besides that that and like don't smoke pot don't smoke pot wait till you're married to have sex those are like two of the messages I got passed fucking constantly from an early (laughs) age to the whole time to you know leaving and you just gotta wonder like did you follow either of those pieces of advice and like did not following them ruin you can you imagine and you know there are some other belief systems that are like Way more figured out. But for me, it's just hard to imagine getting married and chaining your life for the rest of your life to someone you never had sex with. I just have to imagine. But there's still like It's like Phone Boy said, you know, you know, the thing happened and at the time it was nice, which is nice. But then you kind of also get to know and realize like, "Eh, maybe that wasn't such a compatible nice. Like uh, you get to figure out and explore things, you know? Yeah. And make mistakes and learn from your mistakes. And then when you find the one you're bit more impressive yeah exactly <laughs> you, woo them you know what you do don't let them know that you've never 69 <laughs> <laughs> you just go with the flow well it is true that was not my first 69 but i just happen to have like 69 anyway <laughs> yeah. it's kind of my favorite you hate being eaten out <laughs> technically I don't know where that's a show secret, but yeah, I don't know where that stems from. What is that? And it's it's definitely like I mean, there's got to be some sort of like mental um, something up there, right? Some ingram or whatever they call it, like some block or some traumatic experience where I'm just like, meh. Did you like have a 68 at an early age and (laughs) just ruined it out for you? No, no, I don't have. There's no childhood sexual trauma. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of any time that someone ate me out and I was just like, that was so horrible. I never want to do that again. Like, huh. I don't know. I don't know, baby. Dwanam just... says 96ing is less fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay, though. It's good for like after, like back to back cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> Ass to back of head. <laughs> yeah. The first uh, time I ever 69 was with the first person I ever had sex with, too. Ah, uh, yes. Your first official real true relationship long term yeah my first grown-up adult big boy (laughs) longer than three months girlfriend two years into that one but uh the 69 was nice yeah i was i don't know there's something about the synergy of it it's like sometimes just receiving head you're like it's all this receiving and you know maybe you can't 
draw it out or make it last as long as when you're having to focus on giving as you're receiving, then there's kind of a balance. And so your thoughts go from one direction to the other direction. And the energy flow is just kind of like cyclical too, you know? Yes. I really love that. That's where the magic happens. Reciprocal energy. It's it's like going in a big ass circle. Fucking awesome. Typically I love it. And uh, 69 is my birthday. Yeah. 69. <laughs> so it's always just been kind of my number, you know? Makes, makes sense. I wasn't till like ages into my life I learned that it was like 69 was the thing, you know. But uh, it's something that pops up in like weird numbers, driver's license numbers and phone numbers and all kinds of different numerologies. Oh, yeah. Throughout my life. And here we are. We've come full circle at episode 69. Uh, we have another first 69 on the voicemail line. Wow. The first time I ever 69 the memory, it brings a twinkle to my eye. Yeah. Uh, my reaction to it was, it was with a girl in, in college, a girl I used to date. Yep. And my reaction was very similar very similar to other reactions I've had <laughs> in similar sexual experiences, where it's the first time I'm doing X, right? Yeah. First time I've titty-fucked somebody. First time yep. I got a girl to sit on my face, uh-huh. you know, et cetera. Yep. I, my reaction is, is like a school child. I'm like, Really? <laughs> I can't. It's like she, the girl will be like, "Do you want to do that? Like, we can do that if you want." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Really?" And then I thank them. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Oh my god! Thank you so much. And then we do it. And then after, and then after, I'm like, "Thank you, thank you. That's so nice of you." And then I, you know, I remember to get you a present. For me, it's like it's an honor. It's a privilege. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to enter the halls of Valhalla. Um, if, if only for a moment, you know, I'm not worthy. Uh, <laughs> gosh, 69ing is fun. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, yeah. All right. I'll see you guys later. Uh, in the bowl. Love ya. Ciao. Oh, love you, Lavish. Love you in the bowl. Oh my God. That might have to be the clip for tonight. I'll have oh to yeah. Download the way. 69 is 69 is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun as fuck. Yeah, 69, everyone wins. That's right. You gotta love that shit. Uh, text line says, oh, at one point they said uh, contactless high. We were talking about contactless delivery. Oh, yes. Instead of contact high, it's evolved to contactless high. <laughs> we also got just a hello. So if you sent hello, it's working. I see you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello, computer. Computer, hello. Hello. Computer. Hello. hello. Uh, and then we do have another bowler calling in. Ooh. We do have another bowler? It's, I think, from our neighbor to the north. All right. So I'm pretty much, dep- I guess, dependent on the place, not wearing masks anywhere. Um, restaurants and stuff at lunchtime for work I go into. I got kicked out of one a couple of weeks ago for like not having uh, the mask over my nose. Ah, come when I on. went into a restaurant, I ended up I was like, whatever, I left. Uh, I had a guy yelling at me as I walked out the door of the place and I kind of got into a little uh, fuck you back and forth with him. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, I've been there, man. Bad. But uh, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? The 69, uh, man. Fuck that guy. <laughs> the whole, I'm starting to think that, I don't know if you remember JCD and Adam talking about uh, 
all this trying to be tied into climate change and uh, yep. seems like it's swinging that way. Because I read like a Forbes article. It was Forbes. Might have been somebody else. It was a bigger publication, but it was, uh, oh, maybe we'll have to do this every two years to make sure that we're conforming to the uh, Paris Climate Accord. So, whatever. Fuck that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it seems to be pushing that way that this is all climate related, yeah. uh, population related, maybe, too, because. Who doesn't? Who always thinks we're overpopulated? There's too many people on the earth, and we're killing Mother Earth all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's all the that climate change horseshit <laughs> lead back to like Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger too. But yeah. anyways, uh, the topic at hand. Yeah. The first time I ever sixty nine. Yes. I, think I was. I was well into my twenties. I was probably close to like twenty one or so before oh, I'd ever well in. Uh, 69. I was on bottom the first time, and uh, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Uh, No, I did not like that because gravity was not on my side, and uh, you know, stuff flowed into my face. But uh, Uh, well, you know, I don't know if I ever did it with part of the bonus, dude. But I know in uh, subsequent times, it's been probably a little while since I've done that. Quite a little while. I say a little while, over 10 years, but okay. um, it's been more enjoyable when you're on top. So. Fair enough, man. Uh, in the bowl. Uh, it's called love juice. <gasps> you got a little love juice. You Sounds just, like she liked it. You just dab it up <laughs> with a paper towel, man, if it's, like, bothersome. Once you're done, though. I mean, there's there's a few different, like, maybe less desirable liquids you have to clean up after most of this nonsense called fooling around, but... <laughs> While you're in the mum, it's all right. Wear a little love juice on your face. <laughs> I don't know. I That's an interesting question because I prefer being on bottom because it's like, I don't know. It's weird getting like 69 for a dude on top. And I'm like. I prefer being on top because I feel like I'm going to be crushed if I'm on bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's like uh, weird. You're just like humping the hole, but the hole's the mouth. I don't know. <laughs> I'm less comfortable on top, although it's all right for me. I just like. Oh, shit. <laughs> Net Ned puts in the uh, bowl. He forgot to say where it went. It went <laughs> no. up his fucking nose. Okay. Okay, I can see. Yeah. yeah. We can stop the car right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it, traumatic. Love juice is uh, all right, but when it goes up your nose, it's a little uh, uncomfortable. Any liquid say. unexpectedly up the nose. Not cool. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's hilarious. Now, there's also like the side... Side lying 69. That's not bad either. I like to do a little sideways 69. If you have three people involved, is it 69? Uh, three or more is a daisy chain. Not just like 69 plus one. <laughs> <laughs> 619. Uh, the 70. <laughs> 619 is if somebody's like trying to get between you. <laughs> oh. While you're 69. <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that, would be, that would be called the daisy chain. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yes. In the group in the group situation. Three or more. Well, I don't know if you want to go bowling. Uh I do want to go bowling. I sent you a clip. We have yes. Oh, you want uh, a clip. A yes. clip a clip. Dun dun dun. Now, dun, I dun, don't dun, know dun. If uh I live under a rock and miss this and it was like a mainstream story. Um but 
there's a pastor from Malden, Missouri, in the boot heel, who has sought leave and is seeking counseling after this sermon. And I just uh, shortened it down to like three minutes, the best parts. Okay. Then I want you to know a need that a man has that he won't ever tell you about, but since I'm the preacher man, I'll say it. Uh Uh-oh. Your man needs an attractive wife. Don't give him a reason to be looking around. Hello? I really don't think women understand how important it is for a man to have a beautiful woman on his arm. To him, you should be the most beautiful woman in the room. Why is it so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Oh, oh, uh oh. The chase ain't never over. <laughs> now, look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. Ding, ding, not ding. Most women can't be trophy wives, uh-oh, but uh-oh, you, you uh-oh. know, uh-oh. like her, maybe you're maybe a participation trophy. No, 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 look like that. But, but you don't need to look like a butch either. Oh, Men no. have a need for their women to look like women. <laughs> you should take great pains as you can to look like the woman he fell in love with as much as you can like the woman he married. God made men to be drawn to beautiful women. That's why he married you. He thought you were the most beautiful thing he had ever seen in his life. And that's why he married you. Now, you can call it juvenile. You can call it immature. You can call it sexist, whatever you want to. But here's another secret you need to know. Men are going to look. This is why I don't do marital counseling anymore, Uh-oh. and that is weight control. When I used to do marital counseling, oh, I agreed shit. to counsel this couple. I've been married for five years. She looked like a sumo wrestler. This is serious. Was a little guy. And so I said, to him, what oh, seems no. to be the problem when it comes to the intimacy part? He said, because she's a fat beep, and she came over that table, and she grabbed him and threw him on the floor and got on top of him and started beating the crap out of him. Ten months later, she had lost 100 pounds. And she was pregnant with her second child. I guess it worked. And they will tell you to this day, preacher man saved our marriage. I sure did. I saved that little man's life and get beat to a pulp. Oh, my good <laughs> God. My <laughs> friend, he has put a divorce weight on his wife. That's how important this is. Now, you got to do like my wife does. She's had three kids, and you know, every time that she has a kid, she puts on weight. She started going to Weight Watchers. One of her favorite expressions is, food never tastes as good as skinny feels. Praise God for makeup. It's like Bondo for dented vehicles. Oh, my God. Why do God. women always cut their hair after they get married? Bondo. The Bible says it's a glory unto a woman to have long hair. Clothes that flatter you. What's the difference between a nicely dressed woman on a unicycle and a badly dressed woman on a unicycle? I think you'll get it. A tire. Dress appropriately. Dress your age. Dress your body type. Just look good. Scientists have discovered, by the way, a food that diminishes a woman's sex drive. It's called wedding cake. First screen the seventh floor. The <laughs> wife has no longer all rights over her body. Woo! But she shares them with her husband. There's a double. Woo! Woo! Oh my God. So whenever she's not in the mood, dig out your Bible. Women spell oh, affection, no. T A L K, and men spell S E X. But sex <laughs> can't be satisfied anywhere else that pleases God. Other than in and with you. It's the main reason he married you. Wow. Total devastation from the fucking word of God. During women's month. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you just can't do that, partner. (laughs) I 
laughed a lot. I don't oh, know. Oh, <laughs> man. Because I also, like, this guy was, like, a chunky guy. Yeah. Overweight, I would say. Sure. And I'm just like, I Dude. could sense some kind of one-way streetism shit. Now, I couldn't find a picture of his wife, but I've heard she's a looker. Well. And, uh. Preacher man's wife is, like, uh, you know. Yeah? You know? <laughs> Usually. But, yeah, I was like, Dude. This applies to you too. Lots of preachers, man's wives are like preachers, like gold diggers. <laughs> you know. I feel like he was practicing a stand-up routine in front of his. Oh, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like be, preachers like, get oh, like that. There's kind of different types, but some are definitely like the stand-up comedy type. Oh, like this guy. That's uh, who was it? Uh, Father Bubba? Who? This is Pastor Stuart Allen Clark of the First General Baptist Church. Oh man! Now in, in the boot heel, and yes, for years he's been getting away with it because they never had like a recording system. But then, they... well, that's what I was wondering. Is <laughs> I wonder if they are just doing the modern thing of like streaming all their sermons, and well, especially during the coof. Well, yeah, you got to wonder. Probably, um, probably digitized on the coof. Yeah, because my church even did uh, recordings, but it was tape. It was cassette tape for a while, and then it was CD. You know, it was never on the internet. But I don't know. It probably is nowadays. You know. But like by the time I had gone to high school in two thousand or gone to college in two thousand eight, they were still doing CDs. Now, like national outlets have picked up this story uh, because of the Melania Trump reference, of course. Sure. Oh, we have a reason to put Trump's name in the news again. I forgot to. But. <laughs> oh man! As, uh... I forgot how they made it all about Melania too. That that is particularly gross, actually. Yes. Um, as Lavish pointed out. In the bowl, though. Uh, the real kiss of death was when he gave him the Ric Flair. That whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he just kept going whoa, with it. Whoa. I cut some woos out of that. Oh, yeah. Like, this is my clip. It was a 22-minute sermon. Uh, and so then I just cut it back to three minutes with some of the best of. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you got some uh, serious zingers in there, bro. I could have cut it a little bit more, but. No, you get yeah. it. you had to give us the full load on it. Yes, I had to get all his talking points in there. Weight, <laughs> makeup, attire. He, you oh, know, it man. fizzles out though that sermon. Oh yeah, because he attempts. You to... You listened to the whole sermon? Yes, I did. Well, that's work. Doing I... work for the bowl. Yeah, I'm doing the work. But anyway, sorry. He, start, he fizzles out the sermon with this story about like a knight in shining armor saving a princess, and then the town is like, "You're a hero." He saved her from a dragon. Of course. She gets caught by another dragon, and he goes to save her. And uh, she's like, wait, here's a rope. You can just hang the dragon. And he's like, oh, okay. So he does what she tells him and hangs a dragon. And then he's just like, ladies, just let your man be your knight in shining armor. If you tell him what to do, it doesn't mean anything. And it defeats him. Yeah, and that's just literally like how it fizzles out. Like that oh, was the end of the, He's like, now open our hymnals to this page. Like, it's funny, dude. Some pastors just have like their little like rant time where they just get to bitch about what they think is their problems in life. Right. Well, and so at first I was like, his wife is not gonna be happy. But he had that section in there when he's like, she does the Weight Watchers. She's had three kids. She always gains weight, and then she loses the weight. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I don't know. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, of course, people are up in arms. <laughs> no doubt. What a sexist pig! <laughs> the why do I think most comments I saw were triggered over the why do women cut their hair after they get married? And like, um, 
I have asked that question to my female friends. Mm. <laughs> Why do you suppose I don't it know is? the answer. No uh, answer? I, well, what I've heard is just convenience, like, um, especially once you have kids, like, well, I just have some extra responsibilities and whatever. I don't want to be worrying about styling my hair and stuff. Short hair is so much easier to maintain and take mm. care of. And I don't care what hair you rock. You know, rock what you want to wear. Yeah, I always no wanted a pixie cut. It's not meant for me. <laughs> uh, and I also had women in my life who told me if I cut my hair, I'd regret it. And I don't want to find out. So I just <laughs> like wear my long hair. <laughs> but yeah. So Missouri, making the news. I'll be damned. Making the very news. Minary. With our church. Also making the news. Renewed for season 33. Uh-oh. The Simpsons and season thirty-four. Wow, more they made Simpsons. It just slightly longer than I've been alive. The Simpsons have right. been alive. Wow. Okay, when The Simpsons was like big, I remember my cousins and stuff watching it. They were in their well, she's my cousins were in their thirties. Um, I remember some of the adults watching it, and then of course my grandparents were like, "You can never watch that show. That is a bad show. <laughs> it it might be a cartoon, but it's not for kids." Turn it off. <laughs> and uh, I always really wanted to watch it. Simpsons and South Park. You know, I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I was being sheltered away from those things. So I had to binge South Park as an adult. Mm. And Simpsons, I've seen uh, random episodes based on, like, references and such, but haven't done the deep dive. 33 yeah, seasons is a little intimidating, I, I know. It's a long <laughs> time. It's a long time. Yeah. But, yeah, that's got to be longest-running show. Maybe yeah, it's uh, gotta be. I would say. I don't know what's longer. <laughs> now uh, Missouri made the news again this oh, past boy. week, and this is a weird story. Okay, a lady, a married woman, <clears throat> had a five hundred pound safe stolen out of her garage. I should have clipped her talking because I think it's her that made the story weird, like the way she talks about these things. Her neighbor's surveillance camera captured a white SUV. Pulling up in front of her house at 3.30 a.m. Uh-oh. You want me to play it? On a Thursday. Uh, It's kind of long. If you want to play it, let's go for it. I can probably scrub to it. Oh, yeah, Looking for an educator. Fucking ass. Stupid ass. Stupid But, uh, no, you can. This is a value for value podcast. Yeah. No advertisement. Shitty here. news site. <laughs> no advertisement allowed. That's right. That's right. That's All right. All right, here it is. And crooks who swiped a 500-pound safe right out of someone's garage. And there is a no-questions-asked $5,000 reward for anyone who can return it. No and questions. as you're about to see here, this safe contained near priceless artifacts connected to American history. Somebody knew. Somebody knew it was there. There's now a big empty space in Amanda Bushon's garage where her safe used to be. Uh And it's fair to say her faith in other people is also badly tattered. This is horrible to say in today's world, but don't think everybody is your friend. As these pics from a neighbor's surveillance camera show, at 3.30 a.m. yesterday, someone in a white SUV brazenly swiped the 500-pound safe after breaking into Amanda's husband's car to open the garage door. So, yeah, so they picked the lock into it. Um, They opened the garage, and like I said, they waited to see if anybody came out, and nobody, you know, our our lovely basset hound who hears everything did not hear anything that night, obviously. The crooks used a dolly to haul the safe into the SUV, and inside that safe, a treasure trove of rare coins, stamps, and 
keepsakes worth hundreds of thousands Just of dollars. Sweet. That was the furthest thing from my mind is somebody um, coming in to steal a 500 pound safe that's you know, in your garage. Oh, I think um, the dog slapped the dog like Also God. inside, loot from someone who rode with Jesse James and authenticated what? locks of hair from Alexander Hamilton and Jefferson Davis. And what? How much is that hair worth? Right now, they're estimating over $100,000. For a fucking Jefferson Davis hair? Tonight, Amanda's Holy offering a $5,000 reward to anyone who can help find the culprits or recover the stolen safe. Wow, dude. Well... I don't think you got to the sus- the super suspicious oh, part, but I'll just I'm sorry. Say- uh, there's not that much left. Or any anything, um, but you can definitely call the Gladstone Police Department, oh, and they no. are very much aware of this as well. Amanda and her husband had a security system installed and a ring camera at the front entrance. In fact, only one part of the house was not under surveillance. We didn't have cameras in the garage, but we're going to. Why? Oh, wow. Now, Amanda says she was in the process of insuring those items when all of this happened. Again, what? if you know anything about this, call the Gladstone police about that $5,000 reward. Yeah. So she was going through the process of insuring all the items. She said at the beginning, like, no one's your friend or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, don't trust your friends. And then I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. You were insuring all the stuff. So you just told someone what all you had. Right. <laughs> And then your dog doesn't bark. And like that, to me, that's super creepy. And maybe, maybe they did sneak past the dog. But as a dog owner myself, like my neighbor Bro, I drives down the street and they bark. I you can't know? go up the stairs without them fucking yeah. barking at me when I open the door. They bark at us. If I've been downstairs all day. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, your dog didn't bark. It's 3.33 a.m. on a Thursday. <laughs> There's a lot you said, of... don't trust your friends. You were insuring the items. You're only offering $5,000 when we know No, it's... she said... Oh, she did say uh, five. Yeah, she's offering a $5,000 reward when we know it's worth well more than $200,000 because that's just counting the two historical hair locks. Right. Then you've got Jesse James treasure. Like, what God are you doing? It. How did I just you want acquire the this stuff? Who is this lady? I'll just... I'll be looking at Craigslist for the James treasure to go on. <laughs> you just look like... You, I want Jesse gold. It's going to just say like silver. It'll Maybe it'll say like pieces of eight or something, you know? Or, and you'll just have to know. Like we got to just keep our eyes peeled for that. Gladstone. Jesse James God stuff. damn it. Ugh. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful indeed. So apparently the FBI gets to um, dig around looking for gold. Did you know that? Uh, real gold, huh? Yes. Like a prospector? <laughs> FBI agents were looking for an extremely valuable cache of fabled Civil War-era gold, possibly tons of it, when they excavated a remote woodland site in Pennsylvania three years ago this month. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Yeah, they just released these uh, documents with government emails in it. They went treasure hunting? And they're saying that the treasure, yes, the treasure hunters uh, were trying to, uh, they wouldn't, like, confirm exactly why they were doing it but it says uh their response to the ap when asked about it was that evidence suggested there may be a cultural heritage site there now i don't I'm not really interested in working for the government but if someone wants to pay me to be a treasure hunter right I it mean, does pique my interest if you're like, the fbi okay. then uh that's what you wrote. Yeah, like, but like, shoot, I didn't shit. know that treasure f- hunter was part of the job. A federal pension to wander around the woods digging up old <laughs> uh, fabled Civil War treasure. Well, and then I don't get to say whether or not I found it, you know? Yeah. And then... Uh, oh, jeez. And now I'm like, you know, thinking back, like, 
I know someone who is an FBI agent, and they like to dig bottles up in the woods. Like, what if that's because that was their job? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. Oh, man. So, yeah. We'll, who knows? <laughs> I want to look for gold. I want to look for gold, too. There's I want to find gold. gold in them there hills. <laughs> oh, a 33-year-old man didn't have such a great week Uh-oh. after being arrested for stealing an ambulance from Baylor University Medical Center. Oh. How could you? Yeah. How very dare you, sir? Don't you know the pandemic song? <laughs> <laughs> that it's sounds like rude. a fun uh, like joyride, though. We're in this together. If you can't figure out the lights and sirens, it would have been pretty lame. But if you get those things flicked on, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. But just not getting caught is the important part. Yeah, that's pretty much out the window, I think, right? Oh, we're in the scamdemic. He probably had to wear a mask and stuff to be in the university center to begin with, the medical center. And then, you know, you just put that hood up and make sure you're wearing gloves and stuff. And um, This is not advice to any <laughs> of the bowlers out there. But I was going to say, baby. We're not stealing but an ambulance. But this was so, this could have been so close to being a strike. Like, 33-year-old man oh, takes yeah. the ambulance for joyride. Like, hell Pretty yeah. sure those things are tracked. Not with the arrest at the end. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. He took it 10 miles away from the hospital. Now, uh, you talked about Python earlier. Yeah. It's a programming language. It's also a type of snake. It is a snake. <laughs> Before there was the programming language, there was a city. That's true. And a breeder just sold a python for $6,000. Oh, nice. You want to know why? Why is that? It has three perfect smiley faces on it. Oh, that's fantastic. That's its pattern. Yes, three smiley faces. That's one happy snake. <laughs> I can do snake. Do snakes feel happy? That's hilarious. Do snakes feel anything? No, they mostly I'm, slither. I just, you know, like I used to, when I was a kid, I was terrified of snakes. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was chased by one mm -hmm. in the woods. That was the ugliest kind. That one with like no head. It's like a ending, like a rubber tube. Uh, I yeah. don't know what they're called. They're really scary though. They're like something snoot snake. Yeah, I can't I don't remember know, what they're called. But I don't like thinking about that one. But other than that, uh, I'm like, I'm hog, not. A hog nose. Hog nose snake. Yes, I was Eastern hognose snake. By Eastern hognose snake as a kid. They're stumpy. <laughs> and um, it was a weird time because I, I was picking up golf balls with my great grandpa, and I thought it was a rubber tire on the ground. Yeah. Uh, it was all curled up, and he stepped right on it. Oh, shit. Pissed it off, and I had a bucket of, he had a bucket of golf balls, I had golf balls in my pockets, and they started, like, falling out of my pockets as we we're running, <laughs> my great-grandpa's leaving me in the dust, <laughs> and these golf balls are falling out of my pockets, hitting my legs and my, you know, ankles, and I'm thinking it's that damn snake <laughs> getting me, like, every time, I'm like, I'm covered in snake bites, I'm gonna die, mm. um, but other than that, like, I'm not like one of those people. Some people can't be in a room with a snake. Or if they see a snake in the yep. woods, like they're just out. They're gone. I've never been like that. Live and let live. I'll try not to step on you. But Definitely. also, like, I'm not paying $6,000 for a python, even if it has uh, smiley faces on it. No doubt. Um, so my first fuck the CCP story okay. of the night is that in China, there's a zoo with a wolf enclosure. Yeah. 
Someone took a video oh, no. of the wolf exhibit, and uh, guess what's in there? Uh, let me guess. Pomeranian. Uh, <laughs> a Rottweiler. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a dog, a domesticated dog. Oh, my God. Um, so. <laughs> wolf Ryler. They were like, hey, what's up with that to the zoo employees? Oh, my God. And the employees were like, well, we had a wolf, but it died of old age. And I'm just not sure I believe them. Um. But anyways, yeah. I've, I've seen no pictures of the wolf. Okay, from even the if zoo. I even if I do believe them, so it's not a wolf now, you know? Yes. Like, but okay, they, even if that's the case, you replaced it with a wolf. They or have I mean a, a, a fucking Rottweiler. Yeah, a wolf. A wolf. So that's a wolf. <laughs> that is a wolf. Wolf. They say that they put the wolf in there uh, to keep people from scaling the wall and entering the enclosure. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever, oh. China. <laughs> you think I don't know what a wolf looks like. <laughs> Rikery story. Imagine if they did that at the Kansas City Zoo. Like, <laughs> yeah. they would be shamed and humiliated. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, China, you can get away with the goddamn anything. Well, how about this? Someone purchased a small ceramic bowl in a Connecticut yard sale. For $35, which I was like, well, that's a lot of money to pay for a small ceramic bowl. Sure. Turns out, though, it's a 600-year-old Chinese antique, and it was just appraised for $500,000. Fuck yeah, 500K. (laughs) That's the flip of a lifetime. How hard did your heart pound reading that? Oh, you don't even know. As a yard sailor. No, because I was like, I've seen that bowl. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I never would have bought it if it was 35. (laughs) Let's talk yeah, two for twelve. Me. Let's talk <laughs> no, two for twelve. Come how on. about a dollar? It's like you lump it into the pile of shit you want to buy, and you're just like, "I'll give you 50. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yard sale trick. Yeah. But yeah, Chinese bowl in the bowl. Wow, thirty-five could turn into five hundred thousand. Oh, I was also like, "Who's gonna buy that though?" I'm but six hundred years old. That is a uh, pretty fucking old man. I know. I have so many questions. No like, doubt. Who did it belong to? And. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm going to look at all the ceramic bowls. I'll be like, are you a ceramic artifact? Yeah. No doubt. Now I need to do some uh, I yeah, need educating some... on ceramics, man. Yeah, you got to learn all the stuff about things. For... Yeah, right? <laughs> and I wonder if the person who bought it knew. Like, imagine how you would feel. And you're like, the bid's at what? It was at like a 20 or whatever, you know? And then you're just like, 35. And they're like, sold. <laughs> you know, you go to check out and they're like, oh, that's 35 bucks. You're like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and try not to show how excited you are that you found something you can flip for $500,000. Kabam. Yeah, no doubt. And my last story for our bowling segment tonight comes from a Goodwill. A man donated his jacket to a Goodwill in Fort Worth and left $5,000 in cash in the pocket. Oh, no. Well, they realized it, and they called the store, and they were like, hey, I donated a jacket, and I left my money in it. I need to get it. (laughs) And the store manager was like, well, we get like 200 donations a day. Oh, Jesus. So we're going to have to go through. It's probably not on the floor. We're just going to have to find it. Um, And the manager got her workers together to keep an eye out for this jacket and the $5,000, and they found it, and they returned it to the guy. Oh, fuck. And so the store manager 
was awarded. It took him three weeks to find it, by Damn. the way. Yeah. That whole time, that guy is shitting bricks. No doubt, dude. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, but yeah, like I said, the cash was returned, and the manager was rewarded with a bonus in the Goodwill Medal of Integrity. Good for him, dude. Doing the right thing. Uh, and since it's Women's Month, I will point out it was a female, Michaela. Get Kayla it, girl. Pena. Get it, yes, girl. Good work. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. That was a great for the final roll, man. Happy rolls, happy bowls. What are we going to do for our first time ever next week? Oh, didn't you have a, a list? I don't know where it is right now. The list is floating around. Ooh, what about like the first time I ever got a thrift score? Ooh, I like that. Where you just know. Yeah, either something, because that, that could be a few different things. That could be like something you really liked, or it could be like something you got to crazy ass deal on or it could be something that you flipped and made money on you could take that a lot of directions or maybe you bought a jacket that had like five dollars in the pocket yeah that's been done <laughs> just about all those suit coats five if you look in the pockets they'll all have like a paper towel it's crazy oh. I would yeah. say like 80% of them either have like a hanky or paper towel. I was going to say, I fold it up. go for the grandma sweaters and they always have hankies in the pockets. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Well, thanks for hanging out for another one. A little later tonight, but, uh, you know, the ball can uh, fluctuate like that. That's what's nice about it. Uh, we appreciate having you guys. We'll see you on the next Tuesday. And uh, actually, we'll hopefully see you this weekend with Bowls with Buds with Gwiff, so keep your eyes peeled on uh, No Agenda Social for news about that. I've been Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I am Duh, Lorian. And until we see you next Token Tuesday, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Who, 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 Who? Who?